0: Before the next match, Rick Rude says all of the boys are taking the gamble of their life, letting their woman see his body as he comes out for his entrance.
1: He was a specimen, wasn't he, Rick Rude? <laughs> I think I've said it on this show before, but imagine having it imagine being like a single man in your twenties and having that body for a day at Ocean Beach Club in Ibiza. I mean crikey. You'd be living off those that day for the rest of your life. I've got
0: to pick you up on this because it's on. a very specific reference. It's yeah. like there's, there's some flashback that's going on in your life. I was thinking back to when you were, I don't know, 25 and you were in that specific place, which, by the way, I've never been to. I've never even been to a FIFA and I would, never would want to. It's certainly in terms of the kind of holiday you're talking about, I'm sure. Mm. Um, And I'm thinking you were in there, probably skinny white boy, kind of just like failing (laughs) with all the women. And that's why your have your mind keeps going back to it.
1: Yeah, kind. That is kind of true. The first time I went there, I did have a, a significant other. The second time I did not. But I was in my 30s. But it was that. The second time was literally like I'd walk, I'd look around. It sounds like it sounds so cheesy. We were in VIP, but everyone's pretty much in VIP there. You're looking around, like you're looking at your group. You think, oh, I've tried. You know what? I did put a solid effort in the gym, like six months of training for this. Though I I had my appendix out. I looked down at myself and like, you're pathetic. And you've got some guy (laughs) over there. It's like the specimen of all specimens. And he's got like some supermodel hanging off every single word. And like yeah, so that is basically essentially what you said is true. It's just my 30s rather than my 20s.
0: amazing stuff i mean it's come up a couple of times that very specific reference that's why i mentioned it
1: the the best thing about the the, uh, the second time ocean beach club was that i lost my flip flops at ocean beach club <laughs> which is, is, a, is a very famous tweet from wayne lineker and he was like uh my my brother gary's doing the olympic opening ceremony i've been out on it all day, and I beat, and I've lost my flip-flops. Well, I, I felt that pain at Ocean Beach Club because you've got these little benches you put your stuff in, and then you're just like in the pool drinking, and it all went, it all got a bit messy. And I'd probably lost my flip-flops for about an hour, and the, the hotel was about a 20-minute walk back. No, no chance of cabs, and i have I'd gone through the whole like almost like the grieving process. Like there's like anger and then you're like your your reasoning and then you're like okay well I'm just gonna have to walk back barefoot it's not gonna be that bad and then one of my friends presented them to me and he found them it was like one of the best moments genuinely top 10 moment of my entire life I didn't have to walk back with barefoot.
0: given given the way that story ended in terms of it being one of the best times in your life what I thought you might have been saying at the beginning would have made sense because you went um is where I lost my and I thought, oh, here we go. This is a story for the for the ages. But no, apparently it was just your flip-flops. Not, just my not flip-flops. Anything, not anything no, nothing yeah. else more, uh, more dignity impressive. was
1: lost as well on both both visits, but yes, yeah, specifically <laughs> flip-flops.
2: We have had some tangents on this show already. <laughs>
0: And welcome to the Random Wrestling Review, where today we continue our comprehensive coverage of every WrestleMania in history with the epic, some might say indigestible,
1: WrestleMania 4. Joining me today is Stephen Coriander. How are you doing, Stephen? So good, Ben. This is the second earliest I've ever done a podcast. Wow. Um, What was the earliest? I had a guest on from Australia who... um, it's probably fair to say I don't want to name names it's probably fair to say she didn't enter the spirit of things because she didn't retweet anything about her her appearance on the show didn't follow it and didn't like anything which I'd included her in so I don't know if she had an awful time but I I thought the podcast itself was reasonably good so yeah, there we go. Must, must just have been your personality, Stephen. I think it was. Yeah, just look at my <laughs> awful face for an hour and a half. I mean, I can't, can't blame her really.
0: Um, and also, because Matt Roberts can't get his diary sorted out, we have a special guest on the show today. None other than the most persistent man in the world is Alex Rockstar Kirky. How
2: are you doing, Rockstar? I'm all right. Um, there might be an issue though. I thought you said it was WrestleMania Five. No, you didn't. You're lying. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. No, I'm really excited to be here. Obviously, I'm a massive fan, and yeah. I have been nithering a little bit, and uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be. Here. I can't wait to get going. I'm quite nervous, I must admit. But, uh, <laughs> I'm equally excited, so yeah, let's go.
0: It's all right. Not to make you more nervous, but this is basically a tryout. So if we ever need to <laughs> use you again, I, I can decide whether we will again based on your performance today. So you know, no, no well, pressure.
2: No, first and last then probably. <laughs> first and last.
0: Hey, at least it'll be at least be memorable. So you've obviously from quite early, you kind of like said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do, a, I'll do an episode if you want. Now I was trying to remember. I got a feeling you may have even buzzed me or, or messaged me when I was doing the Daily Squash and asked yeah. me to get involved. Then is that is that right? Yeah, that is
2: right. Yeah. Oh God, that was a long time ago. That yeah, yeah, it. yeah. I think it was yourself and Paul uh, message. Yeah. and I think it was because uh, I was a I, I stumbled across the Daily Squash from obviously the Wrestle Talk days, and I loved it. I, again, just loved it. I love it. It's the same kind of style that you do this podcast. You don't take yourself seriously. You have a laugh and it, it's so entertaining so when it was because uh, obviously it was daily and then it went to weekly and then there was uh, I can't really remember the full outs, but there was some it, it did seem as if it was tapering off and I thought Do you know what I'm just gonna like kind of try my luck and see what happens and message and I think Paul messaged you and then uh, and then I, the next thing you know it come on Twitter that it was stopping typical so, Paul shit. just handing everything off to me basically i <laughs> will sort it yeah.
0: out yeah, it's fine <clears throat> So we're not going to do a topic today. I've decided because I don't have anything in my head to talk about, and to be honest, I have not paid any attention to anything that's going on in the wrestling world right now, the exception of the fact that um, I believe Logan Paul just set a new record for the number of watches of a wrestling clip of all time with his splash off the
1: it top worked. of the. It That's incredible. Yeah,
0: yeah uh, the crown jewel or whatever it was recently in uh, Saudi Arabia. So I mean, look, can't can't argue with it, can you really? It's it's, uh, it's a success right there really but my topic is actually about you rockstar because as i said traditionally we have people come on and we ask them their blind spots what don't they know in the world of wrestling where do they where have they kind of not paid attention in terms of years in terms of promotions what are you not familiar with
2: right okay so when i say i'm a wrestling fan i am it is mainly wwf wwe um i've loved it since i was a kid And I've never grown out of it, really. Just enjoyed watching it, even watching the crap times. Um, WCW, I I know a little bit about. I used to watch with my granddad when he used to pick me up from school. uh, God bless him. And it used to be on, I think it was on ITV. Like I'm talking really early on. And he used to record it and we used to watch it the day after. And then, obviously, during the Monday Night Wars, I was one of those that would watch Raw on a Friday night on Sky Sports. And when the adverts were on, skip over to Sky Sports Two or whatever channel WCW was oh, on. Oh, are you were
1: going to say Babe Station, which is
2: what? I to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh, live TV. The other one. Uh, oh yeah, I'm yes. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. yeah, I don't think <laughs> I
1: don't think Babe Station was on those days. I think it was. No, uh, it was live TV back then, wasn't yeah. it? Babe Station would have been the, the 2000s version of it, basically. Yeah. Yeah,
2: the topless weather report. Hmm. So you know, I was one of I was a WWE fan, WWF fan that used to switch over to WCW in the adverts, not the other way around. ECW, I've never really enjoyed it. I've never really liked it. it. Always seemed a bit amateurish to me, and I didn't really like the violence. That much, or at least how they did it. I just you know, I no, I know a little bit about it, but not a lot. New Japan, not got a clue where to begin. With Sorry, New no Japan. one
0: else has either. It's fine. It's not. Right. Okay. I don't. I don't think anyone actually watches it. I, I think it's just. A, I think it's a lie. I think it's just one of those things. It's like Radiohead's albums after a computer. No one. No one listens to them. That's just a lie. Just pretend people pretending that they listen to it because it's supposed to be really trendy. Now I don't. I don't believe it.
2: And AEW is a bit of a funny one because I was very excited when AEW was started tried watching it and for some reason couldn't get into it and then stopped watching it and everyone was going on about how amazing it is so got the fight tv subscription and started watching it weekly and just got bored of watching it and it's really weird because the wrestling's good i just for some reason just couldn't get into it so i've stopped watching that as well i started watching the pay-per-views that they put on but then i haven't got six seven hours free to watch uh, <laughs> and now so I've not watched them either so yeah I think I've given up on AEW unfortunately I really wanted to like it but giving up a bit on that as well so yeah that's my wrestling knowledge WWE, WWF yeah I'm pretty good with but everything else not so much so have you have you seen Wrestlemania 4 before I have seen Wrestlemania 4 before um, I've seen it at least twice I still am actually um, a DVD collector so before DVDs wow. come out I was a VHS collector and if you remember I'm sure you probably will, but on the VHS, the WrestleMania 4 uh, messed with my OCD massively because it was a double video. So all of them was all nicely. Laid out, and then WrestleMania 4 was just this big fuck off video block in the middle. <laughs> um, so I've seen it when I was a kid. And then when the WrestleMania anthology DVDs came out, I, I bought them and watched them. And I'm one of those, if I buy a DVD, I've got to watch it. So I've definitely seen it at least twice, but I've probably seen it more than that. I haven't seen it for about 15 years, though. So Good. we'll come on to that hope when you go into Hulk's fear and expectations about what you know. I'm
0: the, com- I'm the complete opposite. If I buy a DVD, I don't have to watch it. Like I, I had legitimately, I think when Silver Vision was in its last days, I had every WWE pay-per-view on DVD from WrestleMania one right through to the end of 2012. Pretty much, I think there was maybe four gaps, and they were all from like 2004, 2006. And I hadn't watched. I, I can, I can guarantee you, I hadn't watched anywhere near half of them. Like I just had mm-hmm. them on DVD, and I just had them on the on the shelf. I just like looking at them on the shelf. That's yeah. it. <laughs> So let's get into it today. Expectations for WrestleMania Four. We'll start with you, Stephen, because you haven't had to say much yet. So I, fi- I figured we go to get to right. you quickly.
1: Sure. You know I look so old on this this Skype. I'm looking at myself and I, my eyes are gone. Like I'm only I'm 41 in a what, a week's time. This is this is.
0: I don't think weird. you look old, but you just look a little bit like sad, to be honest. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you look a little bit not
0: like sad as in like like uncool, but just just down.
1: I've, I've just come back from two weeks holiday, but I'm feeling. I had a curry last night, and my my insides are a bit turned over. But mm. apart from that, I'm feeling up. I'm feeling
2: up for this. <laughs> what uh, what curry did you have?
1: Only a lambooner, so nothing particularly oh. that would blow. But then I've got the constitution of a 98 year old, so you know. <laughs> When we have our break, it might I, I suspect I've probably got a cow pat to deliver, unfortunately. <laughs> My expectations to the show, I, I I knew what we were getting here. I thought that the end would be fantastic and the, the rest of it would be a chore. And and you know that, that kind of kind of is is what it is. And I and I think not to go too far actually you know what? I'm not I'm gonna stop right there rather than spoiler alert for the end of the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're about to basically give away everything you're yeah, gonna I'll talk about away. for the next yeah. two and a half hours and yeah. then you may as well just pack up right now. <laughs> Alex.
2: Yeah, see, I'm the opposite because I remember having uh, really nostalgic feelings for old wrestling. And I know that it's kind of seen as one of the worst wrestling eras of all time. And whenever people have said that, I've always I've, I've never got it because I've always thought I used to enjoy this. I, I used to love this show. I loved the tournament thing, obviously, when I was a kid this is, or when i watched it before. I love the tournament throughout. I always remember the Battle Royal, and I always used to love the Battle Royal. I just have really good memories of this event. So, it was mainly a fear that I was... I, I, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be as good as I remember... <laughs> it's going to ruin it basically it was going to ruin yeah, the memories yeah and i can there was part of me thinking i wanted to be proven wrong so we'll see if i am
0: i'm going to i'm going to take us in a strange direction right now because alex's camera is kind of like zooming in and zooming out yeah. and it's it's really interesting it's a dynamic camera I don't really know what's going on but because of that and because of like the way he's got his uh, device that he's talking to, i can see alex's teeth really well and he has got an incredible set of teeth like <laughs> properly white really straight teeth. It's really impressive. It's like, it's like he's a ha- the most
1: handsome man has ever been on the Random Wrestling Review. With oh,
2: no way. <laughs> he <laughs> said he was 40. <laughs>
1: you said you were 40 off there, didn't you? And, and you, yeah. you look at your 40 versus mine. <laughs> like I've been in I the mean... mines for 25 years or something. <laughs> like,
2: it's funny you should say that because when you were talking earlier, I looked at myself and I thought, what is this going on here? I've got real wrinkles and crow's feet on my ears. No, no. This, not, it's this not is not my really on my eyes.
1: Today. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, this is the joys of early podcasting. But I like it. I like it.
2: Anyway, I'm nowhere near as good looking as old man. I'm not having that. <laughs>
1: It's rare for me to be the youngest on the pod, so that's that's quite cool.
0: So, yeah, my expectations were this is going to be not very good, and I have said it a number of times during the last few weeks and certainly in the past, WrestleMania 4 is one of the worst, so I was, like, expecting absolute turd, to be honest. And I'm I'm, I'm going to maybe surprise some people with some things I'm going to say, I think, as part of this, this show. But, um, yeah, that was my expectations going in. Not a lot to get excited for, and to the point where it took me ages to build up the energy to, to sit down and watch this so obviously two weeks ago we recorded Wrestlemania 3 and then it wasn't until the Thursday before we we're recording this that I thought I need to sit down and start watching it otherwise I'm gonna have to watch it all in one on the Friday and that's going to be too much so I started watching it on the Thursday got an hour and 40 minutes through and then managed to finish it off on Friday but that's how little I was looking forward to it whereas usually now that we've got the two weeks between I would have done it quite a bit in advance so wasn't looking forward to this one so Talking points, Alex. I'm going to give you the chance to start given that. I mean, you know that you know the format, so that's fine, but you know, I figured you might not have uh, not remembered that you needed to come up with one.
2: Well, yeah, I'm I'm glad that you started with me because I have come up with one. Mm -hmm. And if you'd have started with someone else or, or you'd have mentioned this on the topic, then I might have been a bit screwed and panicked. But my talking point is there's obviously 16 matches on this card, and instead of talking about one of them and getting it out of the way and making it go quicker, I thought I'd leave the matches and talk about the whole format in general. And not just with this event, but with other ones. So night-long tournaments, are they a good thing? So with this one, obviously, it's a 14-man tournament. And it takes place, you know, for, obviously throughout the entire night. By memory, there's only ever been one of them that Survivor Season 98. Unless I'm missing something, I think there's only been those two 14-man tournaments. I think, that's, um,
0: well, I think that's right in terms of for the title. I mean, there's the, the yeah. wrestling classic which is in 1985, which is holds host to a large tournament of similar size. But um, right. I think this is, you're right, those are the only other two.
2: Yeah, I think I'll give that one a miss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should, um, it's yeah. probably worse than WrestleMania 2, so you probably should give it a miss. <laughs> It's a lot of matches, a lot of people to get in one night. And they, they're totally different, WrestleMania 4 and Survivor Series 98, because going, obviously we talking about WrestleMania 4 now, but looking at Survivor Series 98, you've got a 14-man tournament, and people look back fondly of that show. But it's not because of the wrestling. It's because of the night-long story. And that is a really unique um, example that's probably never going to be re- been repeated. This one is a 40-man tournament where there's one goal. It's just the title. Obviously, there's the same goal in the Survivor Series match. But because there's too many matches, because there's too many wrestlers, it, you, you just get bored of the format. You get bored of the concept that this tournament is taking place, and you just want it to end. It's just yeah, it's just too much, too many matches. That's the that's the thing. Plus, you've got the filler in between. The flip side of that is four-man tournaments. So looking at King of the Ring 98 and Survivor Series, I wrote it down, 2015, where they've got the four-man tournaments where they just do the semi-final and the final. Uh, but then, then there's not enough wrestlers because there's no achievement. It's like the winner is just winning a direct 3 Falls match and then you've got too much filler in between. So when they've done the eight-man tournaments at uh, King of the Ring 93, for example, it's perfect. It's perfect because you can tell the perfect story throughout which they do on king of the ring 3 you've got a real achievement when you win something and it's not boring you kind of captivated throughout the night and that's where the, the the fact that they've done this tournament format at wrestlemania 4 really hampers this show and that's the main reason why it hampers this show i'm spoiler alert it isn't very good but <laughs> And I think it's because of that tournament. Now, I'm going to do a bit of fantasy booking, if I don't mind. Go for it. We
0: love love that.
2: How I would have booked this is had an eight-man tournament. And I would have had DBRC and Morocco as the first match. Then I would have had Andre and Hogan. And then I would have had Rick, Rude and Jake Roberts, but actually had a winner. And then Savage and Valentine as the last match. That way, DBRC goes through to the final. So he, he fights in the first match and the last match. Yeah. Savage fights in the last match of the first round Then he's got to fight Rick Rude Let's for example say Rick Rude That's going to be a, a tough match for him as well And then he'll fight in the last match So the commentators do do quite a good job Of saying DBS has been resting While Savage has been uh, wrestling And the same with the one man gang They do it quite a bit on, on there, in there as well But you can really say you, They can really go to town with this idea That DBS has fought in the first match of the night And he's rested until the last match of the night Where Savage has got to fight valentine rip rude and neri's in the last match of the night and that would have been perfect you could have had all the first round matches then chucked in the battle royal and chuck, chuck a few more chuck the islanders and bulldogs in there as well and get that match out of the way and then add the next round matches then a couple of you know maybe the intercontinental title match and maybe another and then the final and it would have been shorter for a kick-off and it to me, that would have been a perfect. It would have been miles better. So
0: I, I really like the tournament format in general, to be honest. Not necessarily specifically at this show, but I just like tournaments a lot. I think, though, the reason I like them is that the possibilities feel endless at the start. So to your point about the four-man tournament, because you've only got a, a finite amount of potential final matches and combinations because you've only got four people in the in the tournament start with you don't get that kind of imagination you haven't got like that oh it could be literally anyone in the final it's going to be one of each of these whereas if you've got at least an eight-man tournament but specifically with this bigger tournament which is 14 man and let's let's first of all start by saying what the fuck is 14 man tournaments about 14 men tournaments make no sense 16 men is the standard for a single elimination knockout tournament forward and some reason WWE think fourteen men is standard.
1: They do it every bloody yeah. time. Fourteen men. How did they do the fourteen with the in the deadly game? Did they give two people a buy-in? Yes. Yeah, well? Undertaker
2: yeah. and Kane.
0: The reason why they got it is because they both pinned Austin at Judgment Day a yeah. few months oh, before. Yeah. So they both were effectively. It should have been one of them who was the we, champion. Which you can understand.
2: That. I can, but at we the same time. Do
0: why is it always 14 men right why can't you just do 16 so yeah. there's buys all over this you know there's those hogan and andre get buys into the uh into the second round then one man gang gets or omg as i like to call him gets um buy into the semi-final and then db obviously gets buy to the final so 14 men is a, an absolute nonsense but i do like the fact that there's just so much that could happen and i actually when i was watching this I did go through it thinking, even though I knew exactly what happened and I knew all the results, I still kind of got a little bit caught up in that. Oh, what would happen here if, uh, I don't know, Don Morocco beat Ted DiBiase? What would happen if Greg Valentine and Ricky Steamboat went to a draw? What happens if Ricky Steamboat went through? You know, what matches could you potentially get? And I'm, I'm certain that if you look at the way they've booked it, they are also trying to sell the idea of potential matches in the future. And I find it's a really interesting psychology around a tournament. They have to announce some matches ahead of time. So that's why Hogan and Andre have been put into the second round. Because like, well, we can advertise another rematch between Hogan and Andre. But at the same time, if you are an eagle-eyed viewer, you'll be like, well, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat could meet each other in the in the second round again. So that would be really, really cool. So there are things like that. And then obviously as well, if you follow that logic through as well, Ted DiBiase could face... Hogan or Andre in the semi final, for example. So I I did get caught up in that a little bit, to be honest. So I didn't mind the fact that it was a big tournament. I do agree that by the end, there's a lot of fatigue, but I'm not necessarily sure that that's because of just the tournament. What's incredible about this is that even though they've got the tournament, and so they've got people wrestling multiple times in one night, Randy Savage four times, DiBiase three times, Valentine twice, a couple of other people twice, they still insist on trying to get every bloody person on the roster on the show. And you're like, why? like just leave some of them off we don't need everyone on this one get rid of the battle royal get rid of the six-man one of the six-man tag matches just bog that off don't need ultimate warrior and hercules on there Put them in the tournament if you're desperate to have them on the show. That's the bit that I think is the problem, is that in addition to this big old tournament, which is just fucking massive, you've got everybody else they're trying to get on the show as well. So, yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. But I actually felt that, for me, the tournament was probably the, the thing that kept me going through the show. Whereas where I got bored was like, oh, no. What are we doing? Why, why have we got all the Warrior versus Hercules, for example?
2: Don't get me wrong. I love night long tournaments. And I think King of the Ring, it should come back and it should be a pay-per-view. And it, and it shouldn't be used just to give someone a fucking king gimmick. It should be used as King of the Ring gets a num- is a number one contender, gets a title shot, at SummerSlam, Survivor Series, wherever. So I like night long tournaments. I just Survivor Series ninety eight I I think is an exception to the rule, but I just think eight man is perfect. Four man's just fucking pointless, but eight man's just perfect
1: i agree and I, I this this is kind of my talking point with a tweak but i have got a, i have got a special request actually and i'm not sure and obviously ben you can swipe away this special request as it's your this is your baby i don't need sure. to do that i could just edit it out if i don't like <clears it>. yeah exactly <laughs> and i'm not sure my tenure in the podcast is quite quite ready but i think if, if ever there was a show where the last match should be spoken about last and i've got a reason for this I feel like this is the show where the last match should be spoken about last. So in terms of, obviously, I don't think anyone's listened to this podcast and doesn't know who won this. But if you you don't know, then fair play. But I think I'd like to talk around that. But I think it's such a war of attrition show that, and I'll I'll talk about this as as we get there, but my, my thing on the tournament was could they have done something else? And it's an interesting choice to, to what they did. And I think in the end, it, it worked. But you think going into this, this is quite a bold, you know, I've read a few a few bits around the time um, and they were, they were predicting a million pay-per-view buys or, or one a million pay-per-view buys it's in this expanded pay-per-view universe. I think they got something like 450,000. It didn't really hit big time on pay-per-view. And it's just an interesting, you know, this is quite bold. As you said, Ben, they were promoting Hogan and Andre 3, but everyone had already seen 2. Um, and obviously, clearly, this is it's not it's just not d- diminishing returns isn't it the third time of something is not going to be as big as the certainly the first or this this second you know big lie I mean I imagine that big event I mean obviously it was because uh the main event was watched by so many people but that on a Friday, you imagine if we were all at school and that was happening on a Friday night and we were all like you know, 10 to 15, we'd have been going mad about this. Like Hogan and Andre, like free on free TV. Like this is unbelievable. I think it was in prime time as well, wasn't it? That, that one. Um. So actually for the third one, are you really getting it? I mean, in a tournament match and, and uh, I remember I I haven't got the observe from this time, but Meltzer talked about you know it was was kind of fairly obvious where this was going, but I I don't think it would have been. I wonder if a lot of people thought, well, Hogan's just going to win this tournament, and Mm. you know it's just it's just a bit of drama, and it's going to end with Hogan as a champion again, and that's it. I don't think the you know the overwhelming majority of people would have known that Hogan was off to film a movie. No one would have known that really. You're talking about you know think of smart perhaps if if the quote unquote smart fans is seventy percent of viewers now. It wouldn't have been even 2% back then. So I I wonder if people thought Hogan's going to win, you know, it is what it is and just another tournament and we'll see what they do next year, I think.
0: So I think you're right, because I think WWE effectively wrote off tournaments as a selling point at this uh, as a consequence of this show. I know they did do then the Survivor Series 98 tournament. And if we ever talk about that, we will go into depth about why I'm sure that they chose to do that. But I think in the main, they've not really they've not really revisited it because of the what they consider to be commercial failure of this of this show. But I actually think that tournaments are something that you can that only work long term in terms of they build credibility over time. So if you're able to create a tournament that's really good, contains great matches, is actually quite unpredictable in terms of who comes out at the end or maybe not unpredictable entirely but like it's not obvious going in each year you don't know who's going to win that tournament um and then that tournament is made to feel like a Genuine major achievement as part of somebody's career and is listed, you know, in the future. Where like they're saying, oh, you know, let say we're talking about the King of the Ring. They'll always say, oh, it's the 1998 King of the Ring winner or the 2017 King of the Ring winner. You know, that is, as if it's a really, really big deal. Then you can really build up some equity in it and sell it each year as a major event. But WWE, that's not in WWE's nature to do something like that. They haven't got the patience for that kind of thing and they haven't got the discipline to to carry that through.
2: What about now, though? what about now with Triple H, former King of the Ring himself, and he he strikes me, I mean, not that annoying, but he strikes me as (laughs) someone who quite likes the King of the Ring. It won't surprise me if he brought it back as a pay-per-view. It won't surprise me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would be up for that. I mean, I've, I said before, like a long, we had to, she talked about the King of the Ring itself. Like, I think they should bring it back as a two-night tournament and do it on the network as a special, have it 16-man have over two nights. So you have all the first-round matches on night one and then have the, the rest of the tournament night two. Because for me, that's what the network should be made for, is that kind of thing. I don't think WrestleMania should be two nights, but this would be a specific, special event where the tournament really means something. And at the start of that night one, you'd go in not having a clue who would be the King of the Ring by the end of it. So that kind of thing I quite like. It's possible. It might come back, but it would even then. It would take years to establish it as an important thing, and they probably have to call it something else. I don't think the King of the Ring would work anymore because because I think right off the bat people go, oh, it's just another way to create the king gimmick. You know, even if they didn't do that the first year, the first year it would be written off as as that. I think. And so for me, they might have to call it something else. But I like like the idea of them bringing it back. Certainly.
1: I think that if you if you go with with King of the Ring and put serious people in it and it is, I like the idea of it, it leads to a title shot. Then I think that you might be able to get. Get, get kind of past that thing but I think you know if you do I, I agree with you completely about the four-man tournaments you do a four-man tournament of of kind of mid-carders that aren't going to win aren't, aren't any contention for the world title then you create that being just a gimmicky thing where someone's going to put a crown on their head for six months which is not really there's not much value in that really
2: I'd do it eight of the biggest guys on the roster and I'd do it at Cardiff next year you know because obviously Clash of the Castle you know they, it is a big event for them and they, they, they advertise it a big event and, and I think that obviously the Clash at the Castle we've already got that established I think King of the Ring do it at Cardiff you're talking and, when I'm, and I mean big names so you're talking Rollins, Lashley, fuck it, throw Lesnar in there, just big names, and I think that you straight away establish it as right, it's back and it's it's big. But then the year after, they'll fucking give it to Otis and call him King Otis or something like that. So.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm up for King Otis let's, let's, let's give him the let's give him the King gimmick and see if he runs
1: with it. So, Stephen, you was that your talking point, or did you want to? Yeah, I, I, I guess just around what well, what 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 else could they have done? And I'm, I'm not sure in the circumstances there was anything else they could mm. have done because, you know, I do get why they did this. It's just the it's just the, again, I don't want to I don't want to give spoilers away for stuff at the end. But the, the, the I think they got there. But the, the, the journey to get there was quite painful in in, 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 a, in a in a way, really.
0: Let me let me kind of I know I think I know where you're going, so I won't talk about. what they get to, but where they are before the show, what I think you're saying Stephen is, what match have they got that they could headline WrestleMania 4 with? There's nothing and Hogan has gone through the biggest and most dominant wrestler in history in Andre the Giant the previous year so how can they top that? they can't really there's no they can't build up a big monster hill for this show there's no one on the roster that they've got that's capable of that so i think that's why they do the tournament because they've
1: got Uh, nothing they know they've got nothing and hogan can't come out as champion because he's he is not i looked at kj i can't remember the exact. I think Hogan does one match of Andre the Giant at Wrestlefest in the summer, and then he's not back on. He's not back until August. So you've got. I, I can't remember if they did a. They did a because they used to do a little off season a couple a couple of weeks after man. I can't remember if they did that in in '88. But you've not got Hogan for four months. Uh, and actually, after that, he he was regularly appearing, but not as much as he would have been in the years gone by. So, and that uh, you, you say it all the time, Ben, their house show business was the nuts and bolts of this company at that time, um, and they needed to get they needed to get the belt on somebody else to to headline those shows. Well, not only that, they I mean, that's obviously the practical
0: reason they needed to do it. But there's actually a creative reason there to do it. They just had Hogan as champion for four years. They need to figure out a way to create the next big match. Yeah. And Hogan being champion isn't going to do it. They need him to be chasing the belt again because they haven't got the big monster hill that's any better than Andre the Giant. They haven't got anyone that looks as formidable and as dominant and as uh, impressive as Andre. So they kind of have to. So I think for me, that's the key here is that they haven't got anything. To put as the main event of WrestleMania Four, and in the end, what WrestleMania Four does, without actually talking about the specifics, is provide them with the next big match.
1: Yeah, and that perhaps is the most important thing of all, really, one yeah. of their best ever stories. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So I, you've basically taken my talking point as well, and Stephen, I'm, I'm adhering to your um, hope that we won't talk <laughs> about the main event because uh, for me, this is, this is the really big thing. So what I'll, I'll try and go to instead. <laughs> is what am I going to do? Gosh, you've left me with very little here, mate. Come on. Right. Banner White. (laughs) Bob Uka. We talked about Bob Uka a lot on on the last show, so I can't really do that again, because this is the second time in two years he appears. So I'm going to talk instead about the fact that there's a lot of matches on here that should be better than they are. So in the tournament alone, you've got Greg Valentine, Ricky Steamboat, Greg Valentine, Randy Savage, Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase, Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, actually, as well, should all be better than they are. Now, I think, weirdly, Jake Roberts and Rick Rude gets the time that it could have that would make it good, and yet still doesn't manage it, maybe because they go to a relatively strange time limit draw where there's no announcement of the time there's no like there's no there's nothing that kind of reminding people i mean even the commentators forget until about 14 minutes in that they're, they've they're supposed to go to a com- to a time limit you'd expect them to be saying oh this is going on quite a while and they only get there by about 14 minutes and the other matches are either too short or have a sh- stupid end or a bad end and that's another reason why this show is i think gets a little bit of a, a bad rep is that all the matches that could be something just end up not being anything. They just end up being kind of average at best and in some cases below average. And that's a shame because on a show where you think you've got three DBossy matches,
1: four Andy Savage matches,
0: you would expect it to be a very good show. and it And it's not.
1: I think as well. There's there's the big, and I've got probably about 80 comments about it in my notes. The crowd is awful. Mm. This is one of the worst crowds for a big, sh- a big show, a wrestling show I've, I've ever seen. I mean, really, if this was, if this show was exactly as it was. But in Madison Square Garden or Boston Garden or Rosemont Horizon, I do think that a lot of of these matches would just be a bit better because the heat would be there. But this crowd didn't want to be there. And, And again, there's lots of stuff as we go through the matches. But there's bits and pieces in this show where you think they must react to that and they don't. But then they do react to certain things near the end. But throughout this show, it's just like these people did not want to be there. It was like they actively disliked. You had maybe a few hundred that would make noise in this big cavernous building. And I just think it's such a such a mistake. I don't know what they were paid to have these two WrestleManias there. But to go from, you know, like, again, most people, you know, if you if you said to people in 1988, this is going to be a what 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 was it? The Trump Plaza in atlantic city most people wouldn't have a frame of reference to what that looks like they wouldn't you wouldn't be able to look up on wikipedia you know it's twenty thousand seats you'd have no idea and if you tuned in last year and you've seen all the pictures of, Re- of wrestlemania at the pontiac silver dome you'd be like well what what is this that they're going to is this gonna you tune into wrestlemania you're like well this looks a bit shit like what is this like it's such a downgrade on last year and i think that it, from a production point, I can't really remember WrestleMania Five. and Obviously, you guys are uh, doing that in a couple of weeks' time. Whether the crowd was any better, but it was just, it was just atrocious. It was, it was a bad, a bad show made worse by basically it being held in a morgue, essentially.
0: I think that's a fair point about those those matches. They probably would have been a bit better. They aren't great throughout, but then there's a bit from about maybe an hour, an hour and a half left where they're just silent for like yeah. an hour until the end of the show. That's mm-hmm. it. And what it says to me is that they, cause they come alive, they come alive for when Hogan and Andre face each other. They're just there to hope for see Hogan. They know who yeah. Hogan is. So they're there to see Hogan. That's it really. And there's obviously a lot of people who aren't wrestling fans. Donald Trump's in the front row along with, some other people and there's other people in the in the sort of front rows that are kind of clearly just not really that in that bothered it's just a little kind of it's a saturday night out basically yeah you know it's not and it could be anywhere they could be at the theater they could be a music concert they could be you know it could be literally anything but there just happens to be that they're at wrestlemania probably because they've been asked or invited and given free tickets by either trump or the company or some combination of the two and it's uh yeah it's not um it's not a great crowd at all you're absolutely right about that that should have been my talking point Stephen well done
2: (laughs) yeah I got that about the crowd as well they're just awful just awful. There, there, a few pops at the end. Jesse Venturi gets one for his. Yeah, shit bizarre, isn't mentions.
1: it? It's because Jesse's bit, Jesse was in what? Predator yeah. or something around this time, wasn't he? It's because he's yeah. he suddenly gets a massive, well, massive, but massive in the, in the frame of this show. They had advertised Predator during
0: WrestleMania 3. Right. So right.
2: it
1: would have been
0: just it just after WrestleMania 3. So yes, he'd yeah. been in Predator by this point.
2: And then Vanna White gets one of the biggest pops. <laughs> she yeah. comes back to the ring. Yeah, awful. Absolutely awful. I've, yeah, I've got that in my notes as well about the crowd. Shit. You
0: mentioned Vanna White as being potentially my talking point. Now, there is some things. I did look some things up about this. So Vanna White is still the hostess of Wheel of Fortune to this day. She still does it, amazingly, in she's America. She's a 100 years old, isn't she? Wow. No, she, she's probably in her 50s, I think. But she's, mm. you know, she's she still does it, um, which is, I, I think, quite admirable. I always quite like that about um, Carol Vorderman. When she did Countdown for years and years, even after she became famous. Because why wouldn't you? Just keep the gig that got you there in the first place and when it all blows up again you just go back to it no one's gonna no one's gonna be upset and that's what she's done so she's still there also oh, when hello. she when she comes to the ring um she comes out to dub Dover music and the dubbed Dover music is the uk version of wheel oh, of fortune theme tune
1: amazing yeah. <laughs> amazing
0: so I was like, as soon as it came, I was like, duh, 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 I was like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> it's not the American version, so I don't know because I, I had to check it out. I was like, let's just find out and see if this is also the American version and the WWF have put that over the whatever she came out to on the network. But whatever, for whatever reason, whatever she came out to, they couldn't keep, so they've dubbed over the UK version of <laughs> The Wheel of Fortune. Brilliant.
1: Fan of loyalty to the core, incredible. I've just googled, yeah, she's still on there. Yeah, if you're interested in seeing what Vanna White looks like, however many years afterwards, I encourage you to make that Google. Make that Google.
0: <laughs> make, that Google.
1: make that Google. <laughs> I
0: think you've just come up with a new catchphrase there. I, I think <laughs> Google themselves are going to be in contact with you to, to trademark that and go, oh, Stephen, Ugh. can you uh, release that over to us? We'll pay you a nominal fee of a couple of thousand. And yeah, just, they can have
1: it. I can have it.
0: Make that Google. It's at the bit at the end of Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror where he goes, make that change. We've just got, make that Google. <laughs>
1: I like it. It's a big marketing campaign coming for that. I think. Oh, I can't
2: wait. I can't wait to see it. I knew that she was horse the wheel of fortune as well, but. I thought that she must have been a massive star because of the escort that she gets when she comes down. Like the security flooder as she's walking down to the ring.
0: I can imagine uh, it's one of those things where she's she's doing this thing as, as the person who changes the, the letters on the Wheel of Fortune. And it's just a really big show. And she's yeah. just really popular at the time. And probably it lasted maybe a year or so. And as I said, credit to her. She's not let that get to her head. She's just said, you know, I'll ride this while I can. But I'm keeping my job, keeping my day job on the Wheel of Fortune mm. because that's good for the rest of my life.
1: Well, they, I always think, think that we're getting up into, into real tangents now, but like soap actors and stuff, it's like, why are you leaving? I was going to say Tony Hutchinson, but he's still in it. But why are you leaving Hollyoaks when you're, they're probably on like, I don't know, they wouldn't be on six figures, I don't think, working for Hollyoaks. But living in Chester, good money, just stay there. You're not going to make it
2: in Hollywood. Why did you,
0: when you started talking about soaps, why did your mind go to Hollyoaks? Too? I mean, what's that um, about? <laughs> I not know
2: yet. Yeah. As I soon think, as he said that, I thought, Ken Barlow, he's got it right. Is he still with us, Ken Barlow? Of course, of course he is. He is. He's not dead. He's, no, he's still strutting his shit yeah. around Coronation Street. But that's...
1: that's the, Sorry, Hollyoaks, I think I went to because that's the last one I regularly watch. But obviously, EastEnders or Coronation Street would be the ones. But I think there's probably not an exact example because they probably have to work quite hard. Whereas Vanna White, they probably bang out 25 episodes of Will and Fortune in like two or three weeks and that's yeah. it for the year isn't it i don't know i don't know whether it was even, even daily she wouldn't be working more than half the year so get your six figures for putting putting the letters on it and do some outside projects fair play to her definitely yeah so so william roach who plays ken barlow
0: is now 90 he's still alive he, he still he, appears in still Street. yeah wow yeah in fairness, yeah, so, um, June Brown was still in EastEnders till she was like effectively in her 90s. So you know, again, mm-hmm. they, they they got it right for me. You know, I don't yeah. know what I don't know what Adam Woodger, Ian Beale's playing at leaving EastEnders. Like, what's he gonna do now? Like, bollocks. No, exactly. You should never give that up, mate. That's That's <laughs> your. It's not like they're ever gonna te- let you go over. It. They're not gonna say goodbye. So you could just say, look, I'm willing to stay but I'm only going to work three months of the year. Yeah, Basically yeah. Come up with some storylines for me. You can retain that original character that's been in it since the start vibe with me, but I'm just not willing to do it all year long. I need to, yeah. to spend break. a break. Like basic. but basically. Yeah, they're in the Brock yeah. Lesnar
2: role, basically. Yeah. No problem. I like it a lot. Ian you know, and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> we got
0: we got back to wrestling in the end. See, I knew I knew it would happen. Right. Let's start with the start of the show, because we are not even close to being at the halfway mark. So we need to we need to get into some of the uh, detail here. So we are at the Trump Plaza Casino Hotel and there's a casino start title scene credits i don't know if that's even a word but let's just go with it in atlantic city new jersey we start with gene oakland in the ring this year not vince mcmahon this is the first year that vince mcmahon does not open the show and he takes much more of a back seat in fact you don't see him on screen at all during this wrestlemania which is interesting and he's in the ring he introduces wrestlemania 4 he then introduces gladys knight to sing america the beautiful which is an a cappella version um she then adds on in the middle eight of this song let freedom ring which is a another american patriotic song to the tune of "God Save the Queen," she adds that in the middle of it, and then she comes back to "America the Beautiful," which is quite a creative way around this song. Uh, thoughts on Gladys Knight? We've we, we've seen Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, now Gladys Knight. They were they were hitting stars that, admittedly, were no longer as big as they once were, but pretty big legends of the soul and and kind of Motown. Uh, era this uh, with these these appearances
1: I wonder how much money she got for this it's probably a pr- pretty decent gig I would have thought for no I mean not in terms of uh, visibility but it's quite nice I had that fact as well and I, I ended it in my notes a fact no one needed or uh, needed to know or ever wanted to know about the tunes uh, uh the God Save the King bit I King now Ben come on we've moved on haven't we yeah,
0: I think we should move on entirely from that song so we we are now I think a respectful amount of time beyond, you know, what happened in the summer mm. to talk about this as a as a as a legitimate thing, right? So I am not a patriot in any way whatsoever. Like I literally Are you going to make me cry on this now? No, 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 no. no. So, I'm not going I'm not going anywhere there, but I'm literally <laughs> not a patriot in any way. Um, we discussed this on last week's uh, not last week's but the last show we did where Jim Duggan comes out and for me effectively uh kind of exposes the blatant hypocrisy behind uh, patriotism to be honest but <laughs> okay. if we're going to be patriotic can we not be patriotic about something that doesn't necessarily not not everybody agrees on and the thing mm. is is that the national anthem is based on two things that people don't necessarily agree on god and the monarchy mm. and i'm like let's just get rid of that and cho- choose jerusalem instead Because everyone can get behind the idea of building a great society that, regardless of what you think that great society is going to be, is is suitably vague that everyone can get behind the idea of building this great Jerusalem, this great civilization from, from the ground up. That should be the national anthem, especially now that the Queen's gone. So we could literally make that move now before Charles gets coronated and we all have to start singing that song again. And it's also It's a dirge. It's a terrible fucking tune. It's an awful (laughs) tune. And it is literally the worst national anthem in the world. Like, I'd rather sing La Marseillaise than than God save. Because that's a brilliant.
1: No, Ben, no.
0: Regardless of what you think of the French, Stephen, it's a fantastic (laughs) tune. It's an absolute. It's a banger. (laughs) It's an absolute banger. It's better than the
1: Soviet with Nikolai Volkov, certainly.
0: Anyone who's ever seen The End of Escape to Victory knows the head. Hairs on the back of the neck that stand up when that song is sang by the french crowd
1: oh alex why don't you you jump in here with your and but, I'll, I'll go last
2: uh, listen i think that the wheel of fortune theme is quite good so. <laughs> yes yeah
1: <laughs> you
2: know but if there's if no it works there's for no, wrestlemania 4
0: just there's no lyrics though that's the problem no well, that is there well there
2: are other national anthems that don't have lyrics but
0: yeah but we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to
1: criticize our footballers for not singing it if there was no lyrics would be so you know no, we've got I have that privilege i think i really like jerusalem they play that every morning at before cricket and i played it at my wedding actually which which was the which not enough people sang it was terrible i do wonder about jerusalem in terms of the singing i think god save the king is an easier song to sing but you make a very interesting point that i've never thought of if you're uh, you know atheist or even agnostic and you're singing about god i suppose that is probably a challenging thing plus you've got the you know the monarchy part of of it as well that you you could be very happy that you have been born in united kingdom for the opportunities it you know it may give to you but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a monarchist oh i feel a bit dirty i, mean, I am a monarchist i know you are i know that yeah,
0: I, yeah. I, I wanted to kind of so i did want to i did want to tread carefully but i was a bit like let's be honest it's shit and also the americans have got their own version of it
1: <laughs> yeah well that's true but i think that's fine that, that that's the thing i think there's a big difference between you know we're you know we're intelligent people aren't we you know let's blow our own trumpet but you can have this is what it's about i think i think you can have debate and conversation with people but there's also an element of it that people you know aren't respectful about other people and i think there's a lot of that we, we had this conversation off off air about you know there's lots of things that everyone is very respectful about and people are people have grown around lots of things that we can all think about in, in you know in the last 15 to 20 years but for some some reason when that all happened i feel like a lot of people were, were quite disrespectful about it It's like well, why is this allowed when actually other things we're all very tolerant well most people are tolerant of so yeah that that was it was kind of the social media and i haven't you know what Till to, to this day ben twitter is still in the very very dark depths of my phone and i spend almost no time on twitter as a result mm-hmm. of the the result well, of that so
0: yeah I'll, I'll let you know as a result of something else obviously um old musk's takeover of twitter that i am now in searching for something else that we can really interesting the, yeah the podcast on like if we can we can we can base the podcast out of because i think it might go under <laughs> i do i really? think it might yeah. go under yeah. and if it doesn't it will turn into like this cesspit of even worse than you experience. Yeah around the time in the summer. So yeah, I am actually looking for something else. The other thing is though, the other thing that made me think about it was Savage. So we heard Land of Hope and Glory about seven times during the show and again, the Americans think of that as the graduation song. Yeah. So it's kind of diminished as well. We can't even use that as our national anthem. So we've got one choice, and it's Jerusalem. So let's just get on it,
1: it. Oh, Wheel of Fortune.
0: Oh, Wheel of Fortune. So you know what yeah. I
1: really liked as well, which had a great chanting quality, the Blind Date theme tune. That's when you can go to that. I'll tell you what. Blind actually, Date, what a
0: no, i tell you what. No, I've changed my mind. And, and it's not even British, but I don't care. Home and Away theme tune has got the <laughs> national anthem. That is eminently singable i remember legitimately uh, when i was about 13 pe in the boys changing room someone started singing it Every, the whole fucking yeah, place sang the exactly entire the entire thing Brilliant. that that should be the next one so good
1: <laughs> and so, it would work so for the good. football
0: as well wouldn't it it
1: would yeah yeah it would high yeah. matter away. Brilliant.
0: Right. So then the trophy for the Battle Royal due to State Place is brought to the ring. Our commentators are Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. And with them again is Bob Uecker. And early on, they establish a little bit of e aggro between he and Jesse Ventura that wasn't quite as evident on the previous year's WrestleMania. What do we think of Monsoon and Ventura?
1: That's a classic combo, isn't it? I love them. And I, and I think as well, I, I didn't come up with this. I was reading something else about them. They they're obviously friends, aren't they? And there's such a there's such a. T- t- I don't want to sound too Richard Keys in terms of banter. It was just banter. I have just been away where Richard Keys and Andy Gray were the, were hosts of the sport. So um yeah, Richard Keys is like a, he's he, whatever your memories of Richard Keys are, he's even worse now. Um, <laughs> but going back to WrestleMania four, they just got a lovely uh kind of repartee between them. Um and I just think it's classic. People slag off Gorilla's commentary a little bit. In in, in in you know in future years. But I just think this is this is WWF, the golden era really, isn't it?
0: I've been guilty of slagging
1: Rilla really, Monsoon's
0: commentary off a little bit because I do find him a little bit repetitive and, and, and too reliant on his catchphrases. Mm. But you're right. This is this is like an old pair of slippers, these two yeah. together, just chatting. And Tom, in particular, last year, last week, sorry, was gushing over these two. Like this was pretty much... He basically gave the show 9 out of 10 because of Monsoon and Jesse Ventura.
2: The same, really. They, they are they're fantastic together, aren't they? And Gorilla, I, I get it, you know, stumbles over his words quite a bit. But I've always liked Jesse Ventura on commentary. And I like it that he's the heel commentator, but everything he says makes sense. Yeah. He'll pick up on... Moves that shouldn't be done, and he's right. He, he's absolutely right in what he's saying. Yeah, no, they, they are fantastic. They're iconic, aren't they?
1: They're iconic. Absolutely. He's so fair. I, I know Jesse's always is the heel commentator, but he is fair. He, his relationship with Hogan is an interesting one because he does he, he puts over what a challenge it is for someone to beat Hogan, and that that is like you know the future years commentators in terms of trying to play that heel role. That that they're playing at this, but this this feels like it's 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 genuine, and this is how he feels, and, and mm. I think he's he's so good, Jesse.
0: I think you're absolutely right. He's, He he just feels genuine about the way he talks about everybody. You're so right about the way he. I've I've seen like JBL when you know talking about John Cena, for example. He doesn't get it right. He doesn't get the balance right. It's it's too gushing. It's too. Mm -hmm like oh John Cena like he basically flips everybody who's a heel he ha- he loves and he hates all the faces and then John Cena comes on he's oh John Cena amazing and you're like what it doesn't so make crazy. any sense where yeah. Ventura gets it just spot on he clearly shows himself to dislike Hogan but absolutely makes it clear that it's so hard to beat him and at the end of the show WrestleMania 3 for example he isn't kind of continuing that oh I can't believe he won oh it's awful he's just like what an amazing show what an amazing yeah. performance and you're like that's what you do you leave the fans with this moment of this is the man this is the guy this is who's selling the tickets you know that's 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 really everyone say how good he is so yeah i agree with that totally
2: do you think JBL gushes over Cena to put himself over because he beat him for the title?
0: <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. It's a, it's a mechanism to make himself <laughs> better. Who knows? So then the battle royal uh, happens. It's the Hart Foundation, the Young Stallions, Seeker, Danny Davis, The Killer Bees, Bad News Brown, Sam Houston, the Rujo Brothers, Ken Patera, Ron Bass, Junkyard Dog, The Bolsheviks, Hilby Jim, Harley Race, George Dale and Remember Indeed, that, yes, Ken Patera was in that list. We haven't seen him for a long time, actually. Not probably. I don't think we've seen him and since. Old Man actually said that for the first time, way back over like a year and a half ago. This match basically goes to the point where we're left with Bad News and Bret Hart and JYD. Bad News Brown and Bret Hart as the two heels team up against JYD. They get rid of him and then they kind of partially celebrate together for a moment until Bad News Brown turns on Hart, hitting him with the Ghetto Blaster and then, um, which is basically an into and then throwing Bret Hart over the top rope to win the match. Afterwards though, as Bad News Brown's being presented with the trophy, Bret Hart jumps in the ring, attacks Bad News Brown and smashes up the trophy which gets some cheers. Alex, let's start
2: with you. I quite enjoy a battle, royal um, because I love the Royal Rumble, so it's obviously a bit of an extension from that I didn't enjoy this at all thought it was really plodding really boring fuck knows what George Animal Steel was doing not even the commentators knew what he was doing (laughs) um yeah, they say, this. I think one of the, I can't remember it is, that, like, sometimes the commentary is a bit of white noise to me. So, I, you know, I only pick up on a few bits. And one of them says, what's, they, they say, what's George Animal still doing? It might have been Jess Ventura. But just really boring. However, I did, I quite enjoyed the end, but I would have done it differently. So I liked the two-on-one dynamic with Bad News Brown and Bret Hart against JYD. And what I liked about it was that there was no big comeback from JYD. He succumbed to the numbers game basically. Um he would get a few punches in but it was just it, it was too much for him. and I quite like that they didn't have any elaborate I'm going to come back and uh, no you knew that it was that it was a matter of time before he got dumped out and I quite like that. The thing that I didn't like about the end was I thought that the turn was good but I think it went on too long. I think Bad News Brown should have just thrown him out. I think he should have just as Bret Hart wasn't looking just chucked him out because I think as soon as he attacks him and then you know what's what's happening so I think it just went on a bit too long that but yeah it, it was a, a bit boring I, a lot I did like the end. I have wrote a note even the Hitman can destroy a trophy with style. For some reason, it, when he destroyed that trophy, he just looked really badass doing it. Never <laughs> used that term before. But, but anyway.
1: My main thought during this was I wondered which of these wrestlers had the worst hangover from the, the night out before. Because this was <laughs> this was a Sunday and You're on the card at WrestleMania and you're like, oh, you're in a battle royal you've got to stand up and do some punches and be thrown out. I think you 're hitting it hard in Atlantic City the night before, aren't you? so I wonder a who had the worst hangover and B who who lost the most money the night before there was nothing you know nothing really to add here Brett's kind of prize for turning Babyface was a series of 20 minute draws of Bad News Brown in the house show circuit thereafter which I'm sure must have been thrilling, but yeah, just Battle Royale was what it was wasn't it really
0: I mean I do I, I'm, quite, I'm, I'm with you Alex I don't like Battle royals wrongly, but I do like them I think it's just a hangover of my childhood where I remember seeing the clip of, one of the first things I watched was Royal Roman 94, but on that there's a there's a few clips of the intercontinental title Battle Royal from Raw the year before, and I also saw that in picture form a lot because I had the WWF sticker album of 1994, which includes pictures of that, and it just looks great, and I always like, always used to think, oh wow, I would just love to see that Battle Royal, but it's amazing, and for some reason that's always stuck with me, and so every time I see one I'm like, oh alright, I, I don't mind a little Battle Royal that's fine, but what I really like about this one is that this establishes exactly who bad news brown is so bad news brown even they do this at the survivor series later in the year as well he can't mix with anyone he doesn't like anyone and so he even hates all the other heels as well and i just love that i think that's just a great little thing they should do that they should have characters like that now He literally don't like anyone like it doesn't matter who they are i guess they did it to best effect with austin effectively when he mm. became like the megastar but but yeah i just really like it with um, bad news brown I, I like that they and i like that they draw upon it like the fact that even at Survivor Series, where you have to have all Survivor Series matches because it's Survivor Series. Baddies Brown gets involved but can't do it. So he so walks out, basically. Cause he doesn't doesn't like anybody in his team. Um, and I think that's what they sort of established with this. But it's a, it's a battle royale. It's ultimately a battle royal, isn't it? So it's not going to be... You're right about George Steele. They had no clue what was going on. So George Steele starts outside the ring. I, I wonder whether he couldn't out of the ring like he, he physically mm. couldn't do it and would, would might, might hurt himself so they decided not to have him do it, just to have him appear but again like why just have him there just get yeah. rid of him you've already got thousand people on this show you don't need more but yeah he stands on the outside jesse ventura's like what's george still doing he hasn't he hasn't got in yet and and monsoon goes oh i think he's got i think he's out jesse and he's like no he hasn't even got in the ring he's not even been in the ring and yet he's still trying to take people out and i was actually watching then because i was like well let's see how this resolves itself effectively george still starts arguing with the referees who's trying to get him to go in and he won't go in and then he basically gets sent away And that's how they resolve the George Steele thing. But they do it so quietly and so without the commentators focusing on it that it just is completely baffling i wonder whether or not they this was like a last minute thing and their commentators didn't know what was going on with it so they, they just ignored it and in the meantime the referee and george still continued to perform out their little thing that they were trying to do so that it was obvious what happened yeah mistakes all over the shop there but yeah, yeah it was all right it was it was fine I'm, i have no problem with them starting with the battle royal. i can't get upset with the start of a battle royal for me um starting with a battle royale because it's you know, it's not like it breaks the flow or anything, just gets everyone excited. Lots of entrances, lots of introductions, gets people kind of yay, boo, yay. You know, I'm fine with that.
2: I think one of the things just goes back to my nostalgia thing because watching this as a kid, I remember this Battle Royal, and maybe that's why I like Battle Royals because I, I remember, I look fondly, I think about it fondly when I look back at it.
1: I think battle royals are shit, so there we go. I mean, they are shit. The contrary view. No, or... no, no, but they are <laughs> shit. They
0: are shit. I just don't dislike them. To be not fair, though, to...
1: a lot of this is because AEW do battle royals where there's something significant at the end of the mm. battle royal, but they fill it with shit people. Yeah. So you can't, if, like we were saying about the King of the Ring and and seriousness. If you're if you've got a, a battle royal where the winner is future shot of the world championship, you, you you can have some people in there that you think are not likely to win, but you've got to have you've got to load more seriousness I always think the best Royal Rumbles are the ones where you've got even if you've got three People that might win. That's a pretty good Royal Rumble, I think, in terms of intrigue. Now, sometimes, obviously, you, you can do the counter. To that. It's the story is someone's going to win, and they go <coughs> on, and that, now that's part and part of it. So, predictable is not always that bad. But I think, yeah, big battle royal when you've got one good person in it, and the rest of the people are a joke, and there's loads of comedy spots, and the surprise is awful. It's just AEW booking basically. So, yeah, I'm sure I liked them more back in this um, this era. I th- and
0: I think the rumble's different because it gives yeah. you so much license to do all kinds of stuff. Yes, and have two. Well, one on ones all the time, and you know, clear the ring, and all the rest of it. And I think the best Royal Rumbles are when this—they've yes, got more than one option to win the match but also there are subplots running through it yeah. and little different bits and pieces and they try and come up with some, a little bit of creativity and imagination. What I really like, the flip side of that though, is that, um, and this is going back to New Japan for a second, showing that someone watches it because I have seen this is there? I don't know if they still do it but they did like a little mini Royal Rumble before Wrestle Kingdom uh, yes. at one point and they may still do it. Yeah, But I like that because it is entirely unserious and they chuck people in a really old, like the great Kabuki he was in one of the yeah, matches and yeah. I, I was like he must be about 95 by now the great Kabuki he was, ma- he was really old in 1994 when he was in the Royal Rumble but I like that because I'm like well that's that's quite fun there's no there's, yeah. no one's thinking there's loads on this this is just to warm up the crowd give them a bit of something to laugh at give them something a bit to cheer for give them someone to boo kind of comic villain That's fine. That's that's the flip side. I I think you're right. If you've got to be super creative and imaginative or just let's not take this seriously. Let's just chuck Mm. it out there and have some fun. After this. The Fink introduces Robin Leach from Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous to read the tournament proclamation. Robin Leach, British Robin Leach. Don't really know anything about him, only that he is British and he presented Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, which is a show I've never seen and I don't even know. I could have seen being from the UK. No idea, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I wrote who the fuck is Robin Leach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's quite famous in America, but uh, or at least he was then. But um, So the tournament begins and the first match in the tournament is Ted DiBiase versus Hacksaw. Jim Duggan a five minute match which ends when Andre grabs Duggan's leg as he goes for the three point stance and then DiBiase knees Duggan from behind when Andre gives him a shot in the face and then DiBiase pins him Stephen what were your thoughts on this opening match of the tournament
1: I mean this these two took me back to one of the best segments in Mid-South history which mm. was a, a best dress competition between these two uh which was Um, basically decided by a sound machine that was backstage. And this is all very high-tech stuff in 1985, I think it would have been um definitely worth looking up on YouTube I think dbsn ends being taken away in an ambulance or something after Ted gets annoyed that he didn't win the best dressed man competition spoiler alert I thought this was okay um Ted obviously was really great at this time one you know one of the best North American wrestlers in the world but the finish was really weak I mean this is a night of bad finishes and this is one of them I also felt really sorry for Andre having to walk down this early and the number of times he'd have to walk back and forward which is not great and I, I did think that things were likely to get worse before they got better from this point as well
2: Alex it, it was alright it was okay I wrote that about DBS he's just he's awesome uh, well, I wrote DBS is fucking awesome how he has never been a champion at WWE champion is beyond me because I think that he could have been I mean going back to what you said earlier about like a, a opponent for Hogan I think it would have been perfect you know, give him a 10-month reign with the title. He's obviously modelled on Vince McMahon himself. He's fantastic in the ring. Great promo. Absolutely fantastic look. Don't have any music at this point, which it, that took me back a bit. And that threw me a little bit. But anyway, he, he's, he is just, he's awesome. Uh, Duggan, not so much. Uh, yeah, the finish. I put Andrea Hicks Duggan right in front of the referee. Uh, that's not the first time I'm going to be mentioning that, about people hitting people in front <laughs> of referees and getting aware of it. Five minutes of nothing really, it was alright, nothing much to say really. So I think this is where,
0: for me, the show started to slightly get better than I thought that it would be. Now that's not to say this was a good match, in fact there is, I'm going to say it now, there's nothing that goes above average on this entire show, and this is perfectly average. But, the thing is we've just watched WrestleMania 1, 2 and 3 and actually there's a lot of stuff on WrestleMania 1, 2 and 3 that is below average. WrestleMania 2 in particular, the first six matches are an absolute just dreadful, they're just god-awful and so I was like, this is okay like it's passable, it's not horrific, it's not horrendous, they don't they don't do much. It could, you know, it's not. It couldn't be much better as Jim Duggan after all. Although maybe I'm wrong, Stephen. I mean, I did say, I did write that this is a classic mid south collision. So maybe mm. they have had better, better matches.
1: Yeah, I think they would have had some decent matches in '85. Duggan just got worse and worse and worse. But I think there's a lot of miles on this body by this point. Is the other thing that we probably all all forget. Mm. You know, Hercules is a good example of that. Hercules, like, you, you see him later and in, in his kind of power and glory run. Hercules is pretty good in '84. But like, he genuinely was pretty good as a big man, but then you're you're doing the, the you know the mid south tours and the WWF tours after this, you're just killing yourself basically. So you've got nothing left by this point, point. and also your Titan Sports protein shakes up to the gills as well as we're <laughs> going to see in the next match. I can already see my my notes of that one.
0: But that's where I started to get, like, I was like, you know what? Not not offensive, not going to be memorable, but I didn't hate watching it, which I did hate watching some of the stuff that was on WrestleMania, mm. too. So what well, I think we'll do there, before the protein shakes kick in, we will uh, <laughs> we'll take a little break, um, and then we'll come back after the break and go through the other 14 matches of the show, which we haven't even started doing yet. My goodness. We'll see you in a minute.
1: Hi in everybody. You know, this this thing is really getting kind of serious now. I haven't been able to locate Vanna White, and I, I was supposed to... Hi Andre, Don't hey, away, my good buddy.
2: Vanna, you get me. You get the giant, the only professional wrestler who's still undefeated.
1: And Oc Hogan, I'm proud to be it because now Ted DiBiase is on his way up. That's why he paid me for to keep you out of the tournament, Hogan. And you are. And I know one thing, and that's why the people gonna to know too, and that's why they're gonna
2: remember. You are the ex-champion, Oren. <laughs>
0: well, there you, there you have it. I still haven't found he Vanna
1: White. He is the ex-champion. Don't worry about Vanna White. Now, Oren, O'Kameya, it's over. <laughs> hey. hey, how about getting your, how about getting your foot off my shoulder? Ah. Hey. <laughs>
0: Okay, welcome back. So let's get into the rest of this, otherwise we'll never get this show finished and we'll be here till 2023. So we start with Dino Bravo versus Don Morocco. Four minutes 53 seconds this one. Bravo hits a sidewalk slam, but uh, the ref recovers and DQs Bravo because Bravo had pulled the referee in the way of Morocco's forearm as he charged in. Uh, so Don Morocco progresses. Alex, let's talk. Let's, uh, get your thoughts.
2: It's not very good. There's a lot of botches. One note that I've put is that these two got music and DVR he didn't yeah that baffled me a little bit uh, superstar Billy Gra- Graham looks amazing as do both wrestlers but I think that's for other reasons one of the things is what the fuck was the move off the second term Ruckle? it was like a backwards elbow from Morocco <laughs> Dino Bravo, it made me laugh, it was rubbish. I did quite like the ending. I liked how the referee tapped on Dino Bravo three times, you know, to signify that he'd been disqualified. But obviously Dino Bravo think that he's done the pin, it's something a little bit different. At least he's not just pinned him and thought he's won anyway. So I did quite like that. But yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't very good. Just a lot of botches, really.
1: I've had my first random wrestling review on a spillage luckily it was it is coffee but it's only on the table so it's it's okay it's fine i mean i if don morocco's representatives want to see me then they can get in touch with me on, on twitter but i'm not even gonna you know gonna use the toe, titan sports protein shake line here this guy's body had changed completely in the space of a few years and I, I just worry he's still around isn't he don morocco
0: don't know about that i don't i've not it's not someone i'm aware of having passed away but yeah
1: um i just w- worry about what was going on around his heart at that time i think he tried a vader bomb in this that was that was the botch but it, it, yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't great i did enjoy though the tap on the tap on the back when uh morella basically was going to say to him that he was he was dq but yeah this wasn't amazing
0: it was so yeah. bad the gorilla monsoon had to comment oh he slipped he slipped off the off yeah. the top yeah. rope. That was that was Gorilla Monsoon's cover for him, which again I like that. I, I like when they at least try and cover for the idea that that was just that was just botched.
2: Uh, he is still alive on Morocco. I've just looked good. Don't know what he's doing, but he's. Not dead.
0: Well, I mean, talking about the protein shake, so superstar Billy Graham was certainly on them because in the early 80s, he came back to the WF um, and had slimmed down. He obviously would always had a really big muscular body. And by the early 80s, he slimmed down. Apparently, it was because previously Vince McMahon Sr. had always told him, that he was too muscular to be a top babyface. Couldn't be a top babyface. So he mm. had to be a heel because he was too too muscular. And, of course, by that point, it was like 1982, 83, he come back. He looked incredibly unimpressive compared to his previous physique. And by that point, Vince McMahon Jr. was in charge, who probably would have loved it. In fact, famously was Vince McMahon's favorite wrestler uh, when he mm. was younger. So kind of this real shame for him. Although, in fairness, he already, even by the time he won the world title in, like, 77, was already on the way down in terms of his performances so he's obviously been back on them as well because he's massive as well during this uh appearance so then next up we get bob yuka backstage and he says he's just been with varna white um and he's waiting to see her again and then jimmy Hart and honky tonk man talked to him i didn't take any notes specifically about this promo and there are a lot of promos on the show so i will speed past them all unless there's something you specifically want to pull out
1: we missed something we missed something backstage did we yeah, we did, and I want I want to go back to it because it's really important because it was backstage with Gene oakland and and uh, Brutus Beefcake, which was before Dino Bravo versus Don Morocco, I think. And the sole reason I want to go back to it is because Gene said with glee in his eyes and his face, "What a package!" Presumably about Beefcake's knob. Now I'm sure this wasn't as impressive as Alfred Hayes's large package. Uh, and also beefcake's eye suggested the possibility of some Tony Khan energy shakes. Energy shakes, energy drinks, maybe maybe, maybe shakes. Maybe both in his maybe. recent past. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I got exactly what I said, not. Uh, look at this package but i think mean gene fancies beefcake because not only does he say it he's looking at him as he's walking off yeah (laughs) checking him out but yeah
0: i honestly can't believe i missed it because i've got exactly the same thing in in quotes (laughs) wow what a package from Uh, gino amazing Um, he also says that he's going to give jimmy hart a haircut later in the show yes so then the next match greg valentine versus ricky the dragon steamboat this one goes for nine minutes and it ends When Valentine reverses a flying cross body into a pinfall for the victory, similar to the end of the Wendy Richter versus uh, Lilani Kai match at WrestleMania 1, although a Little bit more expertly executed, one might say. Uh, Stephen, your thoughts on this one? Uh,
1: this is Steamboat's last WWF match for three years. Um, and wow. didn't do any anything at all until January 89, which I guess was backing Crockett by that point for his famous run with Flair. Oh, this is okay, a few good moments, few bad, as we talked about earlier in the show. The crowd didn't care, and that is really difficult. I mean, I, I was thinking about some during some of these matches, would these have been better? In the kind of behind closed doors era, the, the, the pandemic era, would would it actually have been? not as bad without a crowd at all or, or some I mean I, I didn't really like this thunderdome sound effect thing but it was like they were performing in front of no one and I think maybe I could have got a bit on bit more on board with that if there had been no one there this was okay um steamboat gave the crowd a, a little wave at the end but again barely anyone no one reacted to it and donald trump was shown for for the first of a few times on this uh, on this show
2: yeah uh, i thought this was poor. i thought this was bobbins ste i know that you guys have rag- On Steamboat a lot And when I've heard you rag on Steamboat I've always thought It was a bit unfair Because I always remember Him as being pretty decent But he really isn't I thought he was shocking In this match Botches all over Really clumsy Do you know what I quite like Greg Valentine Disgusting hair Absolutely disgusting (laughs) And and one of the notes That I've got So in the last match The Dino Bravo Don Morocco Dino Bravo Is disqualified Because he pushes The referee Yeah Yeah Valentine pushes The referee in this match (laughs) And does it get disqualified? Shocking. The another note another note that I've got regarding the commentary, obviously this is uh, the external oxit I can't even say it. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I've heard that before. Uh, I love Jesse's comeback as back of the head for you normal people. That's yeah. just class. And then I've got another note as well that Steamboat manhandles the referee. So why is that not a disqualification? Commentators say that he won with a handful of tights. Don't get any tights at all. It's a com- <laughs> completely legitimate pinfall. Shit. Really shit. I really didn't like this. And and I really thought I was going to because I quite like Greg Valentine. I've always, you know, I've had fond memories of Steamboat and thought that he's been unfairly treated on this podcast uh, but it turns out that everyone was right and I was wrong.
1: <laughs> it was I shit
2: I've heard... I'm not sure I've heard any of the steamboat hatred. Yeah. Oh yeah, they here. don't like yeah. him on this podcast. They don't like him. <laughs> oh really? I
0: think Old Man and Tom in particular don't do not like yeah. Ricky Steamboat. They really don't like him. I I have been much fairer in my assessment of him as a person. First of all, they don't like him. They think he's a bit of a fraud, and I think that's fair. I think it's probably true because he's always been portrayed as the family man, the nice guy. He's had five wives and countless children to those five wives. So I would suggest there's probably some truth to the fact that he's not quite the family man that they suggest he is. But but also they don't really like him they don't really think he's actually that good they don't really rate him and i can understand why a little bit there's a there's a kind of i think i think it's a similar thing to rick flair to be honest there's a just a feeling that they just do the same things over and over and over and over again there's no variety in their matches and their matches are always the same and their matches even in their own matches like in, even in individual matches they just keep doing the same spots over and over again with with ricky it's the really impressive don't get me wrong deep arm drags, but he does it like 15 times a match and you're like, well, we've seen it all before. It is the chop off the top rope. We've seen it before. And I know all wrestlers kind of do that, but they in particular, I think, are so lauded for what they do. And they also don't seem to, within those that framework, they don't seem to like mix it up very much. So I don't know. That's that's I'm trying to interpret a lot of the criticism that's come at them from, from some of us. And, and I've been involved in that some, at some points, although the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat match at Spring Stampede 94, for example, I thought was really great. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not completely kind of against everything they've done, but I think that would be where the, the criticisms come.
1: It's an interesting one because I, I watched, I saw that seeing the Flair Steamboat series, the, one that, the ones that everyone talks about when the for the first time, I suppose, when the Flair anthology came out, whatever that would have been, maybe 2003, 2004. But actually watching him back during the pandemic and I, I watched all the of Five Star stuff, the best Flair match of 89 is him and Funk. And I think the big thing about that match is because it's different. I don't like I Quit matches. I don't like hardcore wrestling at all. It was hardcore-ish. But that's by far, that's the, that's the best version of Rick flow I've ever seen because he was closer to Steve Austin than he was kind of begging off heel Ric Flair, like he was a beloved babyface. He was a bit, you know, a bit of a hard guy, really, and he, he beat up Funk and it was a great match. And you know, I I do like Steamboat, but I think you know some, you know, perhaps you know some of the stuff that's lauded perhaps doesn't age quite so well. I think it's it's probably not un, unfair to say.
0: And I think I think the other thing is is that the quality. This is and I've got WrestleMania one. We spent about twenty minutes talking about how we can't really we can't really review that show in the way we're going to. Because it's not really fair. It was never intended to be watched through the eyes that we're watching them with. And I think that a lot of the plaudits that both Flair and Steamboat get is not just about what they do in the ring, but how it's re- received by the crowd. And the fact that you know Steamboat is absolutely beloved pretty much anywhere he goes. So, rego- so especially if we consider him not to be quite the family man he's portrayed as, you know, in in on screen. The fact that he's able to kind of inspire that universal love is actually a real skill and is actually Mm. one of the reasons why he's considered so good equally with flair the fact that he could effectively be face or heel wherever he went um depending on who his opponent was and the fact that he could get that reaction and sell all those tickets is a part of the overall package that people are judging him on which is a little bit different to to things now basically
2: yeah see i might not ever get a chance to talk about him again but I think he's the most overrated wrestler of all time, Ric Flair. The Raw number 92, he's fantastic in it. WrestleMania 8, he has a good match. But I mean, he's fighting Savage, and WrestleMania 24 with Shawn Michaels. Is it 24? again he's he's wrestling Shawn Michaels that's it
0: it is worth saying that even by 92 some would argue he was past his peak so it is worth saying that and it is and I think it does it is harder for especially and I I count myself in this and I count Tom and old man the same legacy WWF fans if you like to recognize that in flair because he kind of came along Mm in the 90s and then just seemed to just constantly be at that level where he was too old but he was Kind of too old. That's the truth. So, mm. like, it was it, all of his best work came in the 1980s and he, you know, he, he debuted in the 70s. So, he was, he was he would, he'd he been wrestling for a long time by that point. So, it's a difficult one. And I so say it's very hard to judge. You're talking about trying to judge rick Flair and Ricky Steenboat by modern standards. And that's very hard to do and, and harsh to do. And I think, actually, I think this is why there's been an uplift in Bret Hartlove in general.
1: Oh, it's just about to go there. Go on, Because, ben,
0: yeah. because, <laughs> His style hasn't aged as badly, I don't think. I think actually what people are starting to see now is that you you can watch him and it might not be as fast or it might not be as daredevil, but the work, the stuff he does is so snug and looks real. Everything looks absolutely perfect. And that's why there's this sudden like in the last two three years just absolute kind of outpouring of wow this guy's amazing
1: yeah and that's it and that is nailed on head if i really thought about it with flair so flair i'm jumping around in thoughts. So i'll just try and choose one and go with it but i've watched a lot of rick flair over the last two or three years for the mid-south podcast and various other things and actually there's a lot of bad 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 rick flair stuff out there there's a lot of bad finishes and bad matches dusty Rhodes, crikey the amount of bad rick flair dusty Rhodes matches i've suffered through so i just think and, and i think ben you've nailed it if you're looking at if you're separating all the promos and all that stuff you're looking pure in ring bret hart's stuff is timeless and rick flair's isn't and Shawn michaels isn't either but Bret hart has this style unique to Bret hart with his selling and his offense and everything and the realism and i just don't you, you we could be set here hopefully we're sat here in 50 years time talking about wrestling um without zimmer frames but i still i still believe you, you you someone that someone will be more of a high flyer than will osprey and someone will be you know more of a heavyweight and and be better than Brock Lesnar and do all the stuff Lesnar could do but they can do it faster and they can do some some high flying stuff as well but I, I, I genuinely think that you're going to struggle to ever have someone that's Bret Hart because no one has been since no one in Japan is like Bret Hart the closest Tanahashi but he's not like Bret Hart is very very different to Bret Hart he's selling his believability is a bit like that but you're just not there's nothing like Bret and that's why he's, I think he's the best North American wrestler of all time
0: it's why for example you could make remake King Kong because you want the modern effects that that we've got and the kind of the advances in technology but if you remade 12 Angry Men you'd be like well, what's the point in that it's just the most you know, for me that's probably my favourite film of all time 12 Angry Men it was made in like 1960 something or 1950 like something I don't even know when it was made but um, it's absolutely in- incredible and it's literally just 12 men in a room for an hour and 20 minutes like it's just a stupidly good film and that's the difference is that it's not reliant on the modern techniques or modern kind of practices it's literally really reliant on telling a story every single time Mm. anyway we've got off topic we need to get back on Wrestlemania 4 because we've got about 4 million matches to get through Um, and a load of backstage stuff as well so um, we've got after the Greg Valentine Ricky Steamboat match we have a quick shot of Donald Trump again in the crowd and Gene Oakland with the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware backstage Dynamite Kid says Matilda has been in training um, and David Boysmith Smith says he has become a weasel dog who will hunt Bobby Heenan. Any thoughts? If not, I'm happy I can run run past
1: it.
2: No charisma from the Bulldogs, Lords from Corcor, complete contrast. <laughs> Uh, that's my only note I've got for that.
1: Coco said he wanted Matilda to eat Heenan's lunch, but didn't specify whether he meant a hot lunch or not. And I thought, and Ventura said <laughs> that he thought that um Matilda looked like a fat pig, which I thought was a bit harsh, body shaming. There's some more body shaming for <coughs> Matilda later on. To be honest, any segment with an animal, we talked about this in WrestleMania too. I just feel awful about how bad their lives would have been in mid-80s WWF. So yeah, poor, poor Matilda. Though apparently the. I can't remember who's there's some dog related to Matilda that's still in the family. I've, I've, I'll get on to a book I've read recently when we get to the bulldogs match. But apparently, yeah, there's still whether, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure because I think they probably didn't have a great time really.
0: Well, I think Matilda was the, the Smith family dog. I yeah. do think she was. So yeah. at least at least it wasn't a case of them bringing him out her out for shows and then goodness knows what happened to her for the you know for the times when they weren't in front of the camera. And in fairness, Jesse Ventura was right she is overweight <laughs> and that's not a reflection of the dog that's a reflection of the owners and the owners, the, the owners yeah. shouldn't allow them to get that yeah, overweight because it's really bad for them and they've got no choice mm. they've got no choice in the matter so yeah that wasn't great when we actually see the bulldogs there's actually an explicit show of why i don't like the pets or the, the
1: animals being involved in these matches there is one really terrible thing at the end isn't it yeah Which i think, we're probably the same, yeah, <coughs> I think same we'll probably
2: yeah. i think we'll all have the same note there yeah
0: there's Randy Savage versus Butch Reed is up next again in the tournament. It's uh, only a five-minute contest, this one, and it ends when Savage slams Reed off the top rope, then hits the flying elbow drop for the pin. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I didn't mind this. It was all right, five minutes. Savage is just amazing, isn't he? Um, he just looks like a champion straight away. I, I love that Ventura is bigging him up throughout the match, even though he's the heel commentator, but he's doing his best, you know, to big him up as well. Great selling from Savage, which I'll talk about a bit later on as well. Yeah, it was all right. It was, it was okay. Um, Introduces Savage into the tournament. Uh, One thing that, um, what I just mentioned is When this match was going on Or when they were all coming down the ring I thought I'd write down the, t- the times I knew, I knew all the results of the matches anyway because, you know, I'd seen them anyway So I, I went onto Wikipedia And as I went on I stumbled across The internet movie database rating For Wrestlemania 4 And I wrote it at this point <laughs> What do you think internet movie database gives Wrestlemania 4? Oh it's got to be like 2 2.1 something like that I'm going to go <laughs> that- 5 a seven. What?
1: Which wow. is the same
2: rating as American Pie. Wow. <laughs> I was I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Anyway, back to the match. Yeah, it was all right. It was okay. It was what it was. I think this is what I feel about all these
0: matches, to be honest, is they're all fine. There's nothing terrible. Like, they're all fine. They're just, they're, they're. occasionally there's a little bit of a blown spot. Occasionally the end's a bit cheap. But ultimately, they're fine. They're not Fabulous Mooner versus Velvet McIntyre at WrestleMania 2, for example. You know, they are fine. They're just not stand out. They're not, you're never going to remember them but they're okay. They're, they're, they've they're. got no problem with it. And I think this is why I don't mind a large tournament because I'm like, well, as long as the matches are short, it's not really a problem. You know, it's, it still holds that kind of investment for me just to see who progresses and then what matches that creates in the future. And then therefore, I, I genuinely, when it comes to a tournament, I don't think I watch it like I normally would, which is critically assessing the matches. I start. I actually do start to get into the sporting conceit of the tournament itself. um, And and therefore, I, that's why I think I like the tournaments because they just don't, they allow that kind of removal of i don't really keep the quality doesn't matter that much it's now just about finding out what's going to happen
1: i, I agree with that actually Ben. i think that's i think that, that i think whenever whenever wrestling could be more sporting like that for me is, is 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 a positive thing this here for me i mean i you know what i you know i'm quite an emotional guy it's we obviously we're, we're meeting down the first time if i get through this without a little sh- little tear in my eye welling up thinking about randy savage and i've done a good job because this guy was my absolute childhood hero, my first favourite. I lo- I literally love this bloke. And I remember the Friday when the, the news came in, and I can't go there because I'm going to get emotional even thinking about it. But this was just like, Randy and Elizabeth, What the just what a <coughs> combo. Elizabeth in a her, in her blue dress with huge 80s ruffles on the shoulder, just, just incredible. And this is the moment where I got annoyed with this crowd. I actually wrote, this stinking crowd didn't know what they were seeing here. Imagine going back and seeing Randy Savage and Elizabeth coming out together in the 80s. Unbelievable. And this was the best thing on the Sharks at this point. Exactly what it needs to be. Randy Savage, beat a name, clean as a whistle, elbow drop. Very good. This is exactly what it needs to be.
0: I'm I'm looking forward to the emotion that's going to come out from you, Stephen, later on as we get (laughs) towards the end of this show, because you were legitimately close to tears then. Um, (laughs) After this match, we get uh, Bob Uker... Uh, backstage with the Wrestlemania program and um, he says again that he's been speaking to Vina White and they've been talking about what they're doing later although he seems to be getting more and more agitated by the fact that he's not with her at the time the camera comes to them he's then joined by the Islanders and Bobby Heenan. Heenan says that Yuka got 700,000 votes to get into Baseball's Hall of Fame and he would have got more if he hadn't run out of stamps. Brilliant stuff from Heenan.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah fun little bit I guess. I've got nothing on this at all actually so
2: no, I've got nothing
0: really. So then up next is the one man gang versus Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, another tournament match, three minutes in length. Bam Bam Bigelow is with Oliver Humperdink, who is perhaps one of the, the the least remembered wrestling managers, certainly of the WWF during this period. I don't know. Alex seems to be very upset by me saying that. Did he have a manager? Yeah, Oliver Flip Flipping out. That's how I that's how little he was remembered. Alex, I not even see it. The, the match ends when basically Bigelow is counted out. And when Mangam progresses to the next round, it was a very this was this was the worst match of the fir- of the first round. I I think it's fair to say.
2: Yeah, shit, hit uh, <laughs> shit, and hated the end. Um, count out. He's still on the apron. He, he's counted out, and he's still on the apron. It's like. Anyway, botched crossbody, shit splash from Bam Bam, and even Gorilla points it out. I've got a very niche reference here. I thought the referee looked like the Ghost of Christmas Past from Scrooged, <laughs> the Bill Murray film. So that's as productive as my notes got for this match.
0: I think I know uh, what referee you're talking about as well,
1: actually. Yeah,
2: I it, yeah. I'm sorry, my this was, I just like him. This was the ref that had the kind of bit
1: of hair at the front that gradually got more sweaty as the night went on, wasn't yeah. it, I think?
2: Slick pulls the rope right in front of the referee. Another one. Uh, Another thing that the ref right in front of the referee, no disqualification. And do you know what? If it happens once, once, fine, you know, a a mistake or whatever. But on this show, it happens so much. And it's like, no, it's shit. Get it sorted. It shouldn't be happening, especially when you've got things like DQs for referees being pushed. And then the next match, referees being pushed and it's not happening. Crap.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I th- I don't think you can use the bad finishes as an excuse for the bad production of the finishes, and and that was that was a theme throughout. I'm um, talking about bad finishes, uh, one man gangs a former universal heavyweight champion. I've just reviewed the show, which I think Bill Watts booked during I don't know what he, what was going on in his brain. He was either full of hold or something else but he gang, uh, just got the title in a, in a show I reviewed and the title change was so bad, it has to be seen to be believed. So um, yeah, go and search that out. Gorilla Monsoon also put himself over in this one by saying he could easily go 60 minutes when he was in his prime. Yeah, and also the finish was just as, as awful. Apparently Bam Bam had a very dodgy knee during this. Perhaps we should slightly let him off, but that doesn't, doesn't uh, absolve the referee of his atrocity of a finish.
0: I got a feeling that Bam Bam did something because he was getting a really big push to start yeah. with, it's like he got a big main event Survivor Series push and was like the last man standing against Andre King Kong Bundy and one man gang at that first Survivor Series. But he, he did something. I don't know what it was, but he did some kind of thing that pissed off management. And that by this point, that cru- that that uh, push was crushed. I mean, he, you know, he was uh, he just lost in three minutes to one man gang. I know it's a count now, but still I, the best bit about it was Bam Bam's bump over the tumble over the top of the rope after Slick pulled it down because that actually looked quite good. Mm. Uh, But the rest of it, yeah, just really, really poor. So then Gene Oakland is backstage again with Hulk Hogan. Hogan says, Fee-fi-fo-fum, one year's gone and your time has come. He draws on the controversial near fall of WrestleMania three at the beginning of the match. He says he'll prove he can beat Andre any place and any time. Hogan starts talking about fault lines and Trump holding on to top of the roof of the Trump Plaza to save himself and his family. And I completely lost the thread of what the hell
1: was going on at that point. He, he, st- he basically said, if everyone falls into the water by Trump Plaza, if they're struggling, they can cling on to Hogan's back and he'd backstro- he'd backstroke them to safety. Now, if you think about the logistics of this, <laughs> if you're doing a backstroke and people are on your back, they're dying, they're drowning. So what are you talking about, Hulk? And like, also, he said people kept asking him if he'd actually beaten the giant. Sure, this is all over WWF television. Give him the copy of WrestleMania three and tell him to shut up. This was appalling what was this like there's no talk about needing some quality control i don't know whether hogan came up with this or what but this was i don't get it like who? oh wretched
0: also, they are now not treating Andre as a dominant force that he should be treated as. Like Hogan saying, I could beat him any time, any time, any place. Yeah. Now, there's no there's no doubt. There's, uh, previous to WrestleMania 3, there was some doubt. There was like, oh, you know, it's, it's Andre, a giant. He's been undefeated all of his career. Obviously, he hadn't, but that's not the point. That was what they were selling. And here, it's just, I could beat him any time, any time, any, time, any place, no problem. It's weird.
2: Yeah, not good. Yeah, I'm receiving on it. Absolutely shocking. At one point, I had to rewind it a little bit because I thought... I didn't get what he was saying. However, it was saved a little bit by the excellent backstroke that he did off camera. Um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty. It made me smile a little bit. But yeah, crap. Which it was is surprising ultimate. for Hogan because I, I I always thought it was pretty good promo Hogan. So I was quite surprised actually when it was when I knew he was being interviewed. I thought, All right, well, this is going to be good. But, it was you know, almost
0: Ultimate no. Warrior style. It was almost yeah. ultimate warrior like in in just the ranting nature of it but you know ultimately i guess that was probably enough if you could talk fast and say something that mildly <laughs> hung together that was enough at this time i think then we get jake roberts versus rick rude which ends in a time limit finish after 15 minutes stephen
1: i thought that there was a boring chance around 12 minutes which i thought was a little bit harsh but then they did a long chin lock spot and i wondered if that was in reaction to that it's just like fuck these people we're just gonna give them nothing um and they did try and be somewhat clever with the with the finish um but again it just it kind of just didn't really work um it was okay it was fine again you put this in an arena of invested people and I think actually this might have been decent but it but it
2: wasn't my heart sunk a little bit when this started because I knew that they both lost and then obviously i had gone on to Wikipedia to check the times and I saw that it was 15 minutes and at this point I was getting really bored and I thought even though and it's Jake Roberts and Rick Rude, and I'm bored at the thought of watching a Jake Roberts and Rick Rude match for 15 minutes. So I think because I was not looking forward to it, I did enjoy it more than I thought I was going to. I didn't think it was that bad. I've got, there's a, a we I think this happened quite a bit, a weird camera view of Rick Rude's ass really zoomed in and then, oh, it started off zoomed in and then zoomed out. And then I've got another another note saying, is that snot on Rick Rude's <laughs> sasha uh, oh, the disgusting the end it they didn't explain why it was a draw, I think Ben you mentioned that earlier they they didn't really really explain it, and it didn't feel like it went fifteen minutes, so it, I was quite surprised when the end come, so it was all right. I wasn't looking forward to this at all, but it, it kind of put me up a little bit,
0: yeah it was yeah it was it i I didn't really blame the crowd- crowd for thinking you know, for Sharon Boring, but I think it also does feed into that thing that they just are waiting for Hogan all the way through. Mm. You know, there's no, they don't really care about anything else. And by this point, they've been through you know, eight matches or something and not seen him. So they're like, no wonder they're fed up. Mm. So yeah, not, not, not the best. And uh, that's the end of the first round, at least guys, we've got to the end of the first round finally. <laughs> So after this, Jane Oakland is in front of the tournament brackets, a big old wall with the brackets on. He, she, he introduces Vanna White. It's the first we've seen of Vanna White, but we've heard her name said a lot already. She, He tells her that Bob Uke is trying to be, has been looking for her and she asks, who Who are you talking about? As if she doesn't know who Bob Uecker is. I mean, I would have said I don't know who Bob Uecker is, but that's because I'm not American. Although I am quite a baseball fan, so maybe I should know. Vanna White then predicts the winners for the quarterfinal and picks Hulk Hogan. Then she says she doesn't like DiBiossi, but doesn't necessarily pick who's going to win. And then she picks Savage. And of course, OMG also received a buy. So her predictions in the end
1: didn't amount to an awful lot. She was described as the most famous letter turner in the entire world. And she said, it is exciting. I'm having a great time. And in this, her acting style was so bad, it's, it needs, it really needs to be seen. And I know how bad acting can be because I had to do GCSE drama and I got a grade <laughs> C in one of the most, a, a very mortifying moment doing the performance uh, in a lifetime of mortifying moments. Vanna also said she didn't like anyone buying anything for anything. I is that an anti-capitalist message or something? I didn't really know what she was going with there. <laughs> Um, and she also added that randy had a woman person behind him did had vanna had a very hard bump to her head at some point in her life because she wasn't making a lot of sense here
0: you know what it's funny is i after seeing this i thought she's all right she's doing okay she seems quite
1: charismatic i obviously (laughs) wasn't listening to her (laughs) well i think you made a mistake because did you watch this in two, two sittings
0: yeah and this was coming towards the end of the first
1: yeah, so I, I I think I was four in the end because I, I get to I get to a point where I'm watching the show I my mean, mid sounds about it's forty five minutes, but I get to a point where I'm just like, I'm shutting down here. I need to I need to separate it out.
0: I, I used to, when I was able to and we didn't have a baby and it wasn't it was much easier. I used to watch every show from beginning to end and I would have yeah. done this that with this too. And I think actually for me that's quite important because if it does happen that you get like that. That's a reflection of the show for me. Not, you are right.
1: You are you know, right. Because so it's even, supposed to be watched as one, isn't it? Yeah, really? exactly. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. like, you know, even if it's an amazing match, if by that point you're bored and you can't get into it, well, that's a reflection of the the flow of the show and the fact that mm. they booked it poorly. So, I always used to think, I always tried in the past to try and watch all in one go because it, it really does make a
1: difference, I think. Yeah, I'm cheating a bit, really. Sorry. Listeners. Well, we all are these days. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah I, I'm
2: the same. I, I'm the same, you. I think. Especially with wrestling events and stuff, I, I think that you should watch them all at one. I never watched this at one, but in, in one goal. But just because of time constraints, I just I couldn't mm. I had to fit it in. I watched it in three three goals. But obviously, I'm watching this one differently to when I watched it before because I was making notes and doing it. So I I, I agree with you. I think it, you you get to a point, and I, and I and I was bored, and I was quite happy that I had to stop watching. And I think it would have it would have been a massive chore if I'd carried on and done to watch the whole thing. So I was obviously watching it in a different way.
0: Indeed. So let's move on. Ultimate Warrior versus Hercules in the fir- uh, the first non-title match since the Battle Royale earlier on in the show. Goodness knows why this match is on here. It's four and a half minutes long. It ends when the Ultimate Warrior wins with uh, something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Hercules applies a full Nelson. But Warrior escapes by pushing his legs off the ropes, a
1: la Bret Hart
0: at WrestleMania 8 and at... Survivor Series 96 I think he does it against Austin as well
1: Um, and Lashley Lesnar crowned Jewel which just did the try to do this finish and botched it
0: ah didn't know that oh interesting Hercules though sort of grabs hold of him into a sort of bridging pin but Mm. his his shoulders are clearly down Warrior pulls his shoulder up and that's the way Warrior wins not a particularly dominant victory for the Warrior who obviously would go into Supernova in a couple of years so again it kind of leads me to ask why is this on the show Uh, very very odd Alex?
2: Yeah, uh, w- w- exactly why is it on the short? If it was on the short, it should have been a minute-long squash match. It, that's all it should have been. If they're trying to build up Warrior, um, mm. he should have just come in, Hercules attacks him straight away, straight away, and then a minute-long squash. That's all it should have been. Crap finish. I, I was cringing when he picked that chain up and he was swinging it round. I'm sure he, he hit himself in the head with it. so dangerous <laughs> with that chain. Um, but, yeah, that's what it should have been. It should have been a minute-long
1: I think that they, I, I agree, Ben, and I agree, Alex. It, it should have been, or comes in and smashes him and squashes him. But I think the reason that they didn't do that is because they did this 21 times on the house show circuit in 1988 after oh. this. So that is the reason they wanted to continue it. And, you know, that's why a lot of the finishes on this show were not definitive because yeah. they, they wanted to squeeze out something else, squeeze out another turd out of this. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean, it makes sense. Although again, Even if you did want to do that on the house show circuit, what's the big deal? You're not selling the show on Mm -hmm. Warrior versus Hercules. So just get it done. Who cares? But yeah, it just feels weird. I I remember thinking to myself in the past, this is where the Warrior push begins. Uh, And it's almost as if I thought that they were planning it from this point on. You know, for the next two years, we're going to push him into this, the, the, the starring role against Hogan. But from this evidence, it doesn't feel that that's the case. It just doesn't seem like that's true. So, we then see Sugar Ray Leonard in the crowd very briefly, and then we get the video detailing the history between Hulk Hogan and Andre, including the build to WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 3 itself, the disputed two-count in that match, Ted DiBiase saying he will uh, buy the WWF title, Hogan saying hell no when DiBiase asks him to do so, Andre then attacking Hogan on Saturday night's main event, Andre confirming he will sell DiBiase the world title, and then Hogan versus Andre at the main event with the fake Hebner who had obviously had the, the plastic surgery to make him look like Dave Hebner of course they were just twins in real life so that's quite a good, that's quite, it was quite a detailed video package I thought this and what from what we've seen in the previous WrestleManias this is the first one that really gets that treatment I think, what did you make of all that stuff?
2: Yeah it was good uh, really good shock horror wwe stroke wwf were really good at video packages <laughs> and it shows that they were good at them back in the day yeah i really liked it it told the story built up to the match nothing bad to say about it it's good
0: yeah i like it and i i think this is the thing that really stands out for me about this show that you can still speak for it in it's in its sort of defense is that there is a lot of thought here going on over time to the journey hogan's on i've gone on about this, proud on about it for ages but I think in the main, especially your top babyface, you have to have a journey that they're going on it can't just be what it was with Cena through most of 2007, 8, 9 10, where basically he went into a feud, it lasted three months, he had three matches against them, he finished it then went on to the next thing, and everything was reset. It was like a James Bond movie every time. In Hogan's world, everything seems to be connecting one piece to the next. So in the WrestleMania three build-up, they show a clip of Andre the Giant congratulating Hogan on winning the title in 1984 after beating the Iron Sheik. So it kind of almost... Makes it look as if there's this whole journey here between Andre and Hogan and their friendship building to this moment where Andre finally decides, actually, I want the title and I'm going to come for it and I'm going to join Bobby Heenan. And then you've been on a journey from that point to this point, which is obviously some people suggesting that Hogan shouldn't have won the match of WrestleMania 3 because of the early near fall when he goes for the slam on Andre and Andre falls on him. And then running through the build to their rematch at the main event, then their main event match. Dibiase, meanwhile, being introduced to the storyline and wanting the title and wanting to buy it. Hogan saying he wouldn't sell it to him. So Dibiase turning to Andre to get that belt. And I just I thought this is this is what you want. And not only that, but as we will see as this show evolves, they then mix that all up and put it all in a mixer and it results ultimately in where Hogan's going to go next with his with on that journey that's the bit for me and this this video kind of really kind of honed in on it is is where the where the at least the promotion maybe not the show itself but the promotion is 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 really strong
2: yeah no i completely agree completely agree and it definitely builds up this match because again i wasn't looking forward to it and then when i watched the video package i was like yeah do you know what yeah, I'm up for this now. I'm up for it. So, yeah, it was good. Really good. So we
0: have briefly lost Stephen. So we're going to forge on, and I'm sure he'll join us again. We've had some technical difficulties, not just at his end, my end too. It's all been a bit of a, The mad situation so it is hulk hogan versus andre the giant next this one goes for five minutes just nearly nearly six minutes in the end and at the end of it basically there's a chair that gets kind of introduced they both hit each other with the chair and the referee deems that that's a double disqualification although in fairness hogan definitely hits andre with the chair first so i'm not really sure why what that one's about i'm pretty sure that's what alex is about to Rant on in a moment Um, After the match Hogan chases off DiBiase and Virgil DiBiase throws Virgil To Hogan Hogan suplexes him In the aisle And then Hogan Returns to the ring And slams Andre Then Hogan poses For a while Because why not
2: Do you know what I really enjoyed this match I really enjoyed it Really quick pace At the start Doesn't give you Any time to to breathe, and it carries that on throughout, with the exception of the 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 is it a nerve hold when he does the three the three drops of the arm? I can't remember what move it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a nerve. Yeah, yeah like the nerve yeah. hold thing.
2: Which I have got a note saying Donald Trump looks, sm- looks smug as fuck during the three drops of the arm. It's like he knows he knows that Hogan's going to get out of it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it until the end. I absolutely fucking hated the end because Hogan should be disqualified because he uses that chair first <laughs> there's no excuse for it it infuriates me and this was going to be a contender for my match of the night but for me the end is probably the most important the most important part of a match so if the end shits it just ruins it all for me anyway you can have a brilliant match and if the ends shit <laughs> it does it for me, and I can't, I can't have it as my match tonight for that reason. It really infuriated me, and then the pausing after, the pausing after, I'm think you've just been, you've been knocked out of the tournament. Why are you? I get, I, I, obviously, I get why they're doing it because everyone wants to see Hogan, Hogan must pause and all that. But you know, he's having, he's, it's the biggest celebration for someone who's been knocked out of the tournament. But in fairness, the crowd love it, so I, I, I can kind of see past that. But the end of this match just infuriated me and kind of ruined it for me. From my perspective,
0: I actually think so. We watched WrestleMania 3 last time, and for me, this was a significant drop off compared to that match. Now, obviously, for obvious reasons, I mean, that's the first time. It's a big it's a big match. It's a major major, match, and obviously, there's huge, there's a huge crowd. Everyone's on hand to see, and they're anticipating this contest. And I think here, Andre seems to be able to do more than he did at WrestleMania 3. He seems a bit more mobile. I don't know. I think Steven mentioned a while ago that he um, had some surgery at some point in the year between WrestleMania 3 and 4, which would make sense given the way he was kind of able to move here. But there's something about it. It just feels it just doesn't have the same aura about it, and that's understandable because it's a rematch, but it doesn't have any aura about it. That's the thing for me. It doesn't, it feels so diminished compared to that WrestleMania free match. They go straight into it. Andre attacks Hogan before the bow, which obviously removes all that kind of kind of big fight feel because they don't have the pose down and whatnot. But also, it just doesn't seem like there's been as much thought into how they're going to lay out the match or how they're going to do the match. It just feels a lot more just thrown together without an awful lot of thought. And they don't seem to give it the gravitas that it it deserved as, as a Hogan versus Andre rematch. It just feels like we need to get in there, get out, get this done and finish it, which is bizarre given that the crowd have been waiting for Hogan all, all night. And there's still loads of the show to go, and they're basically getting him in and out. It just I don't know feel as I said it feels like Andre the Giant can do more in this match. He feels like he's more mobile, he feels like he's actually got the ability to do more, and yet the net result is it just doesn't feel anywhere near as good doesn't does does doesn't do anything for me. I know you said you quite liked it, Alex, but it just for me it just it wasn't it wasn't that and then of course the end just is a nonsense. Like Hogan hits Andre with a chair, so he's gotta be disqualified, right? It's not a double DQ just because Andre hit him back. He's gotta be DQ'd. So that's a really stupid ending. Given this is such a showpiece part of this whole thing and the reason why Hogan and Andre come out of the tournament you'd have thought they would have come up with something a bit better. I can understand if this was the ending they used for Jake Roberts and Rick Rude, because that's not as important. But this is really key to the whole thing. And so to come up with such a shitty end is just is inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. Steven, what did you think of the match?
1: I thought the best thing about the whole thing was Greg DeGeorge's reaction to Hogan saying hell no in the pre-match video when it looked like he'd had both of his eardrums perforated. I thought that you're, you're right about Andre. I think he'd had his, op, his back operation in 87 and then he worked a pretty significant schedule in 87 and 89 sorry 88 and 89 um but if 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 you were a kid and you convinced your parents to get this pay-per-view basically on the strength of this third match i think you'd have been really really disappointed with the presentation of this and the result i wonder though i don't have strong feelings about this should andre have been the person to go to the main event to be beaten in the, in the final
0: very possibly very possibly i think in in these days he would have been Mm. I think this was just a consequence of a time when booking was much more conservative and they were always out to protect. It's not the right word, but there are a number of times on this show where people don't win matches cleanly or win by count out or win by DQ. And they just were so reluctant to have recognized stars, be other recognized stars. Yeah. Uh, it almost as a continuation of the fact that on TV, on free TV, it was nearly always jobber matches. When they finally did come together against each other, even on pay per view, it was like, oh, we're a bit reluctant to have one of them go over the other. It's 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 bizarre, but I think you're probably right. I think that would have made a lot more sense because it definitely would have given Randy Savage a much more, and I've given away the end now, sorry, Stephen, <laughs> but it would have given Randy sorry. Savage a much more kind of uh, legitimate claim to the world title.
1: I think it's about their, I mean, I think it's about their, they did that match a lot on live events, and, and that is, I think, well, while they didn't give Away, I think, and that, and that is it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've never thought about that. It's a good shout putting Andre in the in the in the final because then you could have built up the Hogan Andre as a semi-final and had the shock win of Andre beating Hogan if you know they probably wouldn't have wanted to beat Hogan as well Hogan wouldn't have wanted to be beaten at that time and then maybe had the DBS sab- Savage uh, in the other semi-final but uh, yeah I never thought about it It's a good show well,
1: I think you could do I think you could do everything in this you could have Hogan hit Andre first with a chair after being some interference from the outside that the ref didn't see he's out DQ and then you do the finish exactly as it was with Hogan smashing Andre with a chair I think that makes complete sense yeah. and then you've got the plausible deniability that Andre Andre's been kind of screwed out of it again but I suppose the story was Million Dollar Man trying to get the title and buying the title and all all that stuff so I suppose Andre could have, you could have had you know I don't know I don't know but they didn't do that so I could pontificate for an hour about that but we probably haven't got enough time really so but again I wonder whether or not as well though they
0: could have at some point gone to Savage versus Andre for the title on a major show even if it was a Saturday night's main event Mm -hmm. just to put Savage over that bit better again after they'd maybe done the run of house show matches then put them on TV or on SummerSlam Again, that would have been a possibility just to kind of give Savage that big victory because he ultimately doesn't really get it, even here, I would suggest. And and, and you know why they're doing it. You know, we know why they're doing it. We'll get to that later on. So it feels like it's worthwhile doing, but for whatever reason, they don't.
2: I think I enjoyed this match more because I, I haven't seen the WrestleMania 3 match for a long time. Obviously, you watch WrestleMania 3, so I suppose it probably would be a bit of a letdown after watching that match. And, and I, I remember the match and I remember it being, you know, fantastic. But yeah, maybe that's the reason. And why I liked it so much. I wasn't expecting to, and I really I enjoyed it apart from the end.
0: They do more physically in this match than they do at WrestleMania 3, yeah. but that's just got all the feels, that's just got all of the, the kind of occasion. But I quite liked
2: it. the pace. I quite liked it. It was just straight out the gates, and I quite I wasn't expecting it. So I really liked it, and that's you know, for me it just set the pace for the match with obviously the, the nerve holes that are being applied. But yeah, that you know, I, I did enjoy it apart from the end. So after this, Gene Oakland is
0: backstage with Savage and Elizabeth. Savage says that Hogan is a cheated man, not a defeated man. He says that nothing is going to stop him now. He says that nothing is going to stop one half of the megapowers going all the way. So uh, here, Savage, kind of making his bid, I guess, for the for the championship now that Hogan and Andre have, have have both been eliminated. Next up is the second round match between Don Morocco and Ted DiBiase, and this one is a five and a half minute match. It ends when DiBiase clotheslines Morocco on the top rope and then pins him to progress. Stephen, your thoughts on this one?
1: I just uh, Again, I was flagging by the pop time. I think this was this was in maybe my I did five sittings of this actually I've written in my notes this was the end of the fourth sitting I just I I think broad strokes this show is just it's very as we said very long it's not much fun on it and it's not much decent wrestling either so you just got this kind of long uh, attritional war really um the only good thing about this was they they allowed DBS to win clean which I thought was again the right move that's the way it should be in this I think you know you don't need to protect Morocco here and I I thought that was that was a positive
0: there's just too much protection going on in general yeah and I think that runs through wwf until at least mid 90s there's just way too much protection when you know you're not giving away lots of these matches on tv you've got endless combinations of wrestlers you can put together uh, uh, you know on the house show circuit so having some of these go over others is not it's not really a big deal
2: I i love the finish thought it was a great finish. The the clothesline off that top row I thought looked really good. It looked like a finisher, and it looked devastating, for want of a better word. So yeah, I, I, I like the finish. It looked a bit boring, really.
0: This was Austin's finisher in WWE, wasn't it? This was the stun
1: gun. I can't remember how he did it, but Austin's was holding him and dropping him on the rise. That was what Devastation yeah. did, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, Morocco is interesting because they obviously turned in babyface, which had not been the case in his previous <coughs> all of his previous run in WWF Whilst he was Intercontinental Champion, he had a major feud with Pedro Morales in the early '80s, which had gone on for like a. Well over a year, and they're trading the title back a couple of times, back and forth. So they obviously, at some point between '87 and '88, they had some plans for Morocco as a as a babyface, but obviously it didn't really go anywhere. And um, this was about this is the only time I've actually seen it, which is it's a weird one for me to see Morocco as a babyface because he mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't a babyface for most of his career. So then we get Bob Yuka again backstage. He's starting to sound upset that he hasn't found Vanna White. He's then joined by Mr Fuji and Demolition, who hype up their match with Strike Force. Yuka just generally looks confused. While this is all going on Then we get Howard Finkel Announcing one-man gangs By through to the semi-final Before the final Second round match Which is Greg Valentine Versus Randy Savage A match that lasts For six minutes And it ends When Savage Counters a figure four With a small package For the win Alex your thoughts On this one Again (laughs) <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, this is the problem with this show Is that there isn't a lot to say about each of the matches Because they're all middling There's mm. there's not a lot that's terrible But there's nothing that stands out at all It's really, no. really average, really average stuff Really forgettable, average
2: stuff Yeah, that's it, Bray, but really average Again, I mean, Savage is fantastic anyway Just a couple of things I nearly shit myself when there was a suplex And I thought he was going to drop him on his head um, <laughs> Savage suplexes valentine And I winced, but just as he's Landing, he kind of whips him under, I I think he kind of realizes and whips him under. And yeah, I, I meant to write down the time in case anyone missed it. If you wanted to go back and, and watch it, but yeah, and I, 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 I nearly because I can't stand things like that. Like people landing on their heads and stuff like. That.
1: Do you find as you've got older, you're more you're? I find as I've as I've got, I wouldn't have worried too much about that stuff in my teens. Obviously, I don't want to see someone maimed live on pay per view. But as I get older, I wince far harder about these these spots like this.
2: Yeah. Do you know what bit I'm
1: talking about? Yeah, I th- I thought you were going to say the other way around actually because there was a quite hard bump, savage took from a suplex, so I don't yeah I don't remember it. It's quite
0: it's quite a it's almost like Savage struggles to get him up a little bit and yeah. Valentine maybe struggles to do the jump that he needs to do yeah. to do it, and he does almost. on his said, what I find is that I've always been like this. I've always been really mm. squeamish. So I, as I, I think I've mentioned this on the pod before. I remember when we were like early twenties and Tom would be on like the internet finding videos of people breaking their legs on a skateboard, for example, and yeah. I've or i like why are you sh-? like i've literally yeah, I like why are you that. showing me this grab hold of my legs and just walk away like i can't even watch it but he used mm. to find it hilarious and i was like i do not understand why you'd even want to watch this
1: i like people getting hit in the balls with things but that's about as much as you know there's good sort of half an hour compilation on youtube of that which i'm quite happy sit through
0: impact injuries are fine it's uh it's the sort of you know, ankles and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff.
2: It's weird with uh, with football. Do you know when when footballers get seriously injured and if you're not watching it live, they don't show the replay and then um, you hear about it on social media. So you watch Match of the Day and they don't show it. But then later on, they say, we're going to show it. It's a bit graphic. And I, I'm exactly the same as you, Ben. I can't stand stuff like that. But I always think I want to watch it and I hate it. when I, I, I watch it and I hate it and I don't, why, mm. I don't know why, I don't know I why I don't, don't know even know like, that, I don't even yeah, feel tempted I'm literally, yeah, I don't no, know no I'm not watching
0: it the one thing I want to say about this, so again I've already sort of said what I think about it it's average, it's fine, it's just, it's done someone in the world of wrestling needs to start using the shoulder breaker because Greg Valentine uses it a couple of times during this show, and I like it a lot. I think it looks really good. It looks like it hurts. It feels like it makes sense when people use it. Someone needs to start using it. It's a great little move that is just not used at all anymore.
2: Big E, does he not use it? He might do. I, I don't, again. Not as a finisher,
0: but. Show, show my ignorance, really, of, of modern yeah. modern pro wrestling. I really barely watch anything at the moment.
1: I thought just a quick quickie on this Randy and Liz in pink phenomenal I love the finish I love a little roll up uh, give me a roll up all day long I love I, I really enjoyed this
2: I've got a note about that as well but I didn't mind the finish because it was quite an even contest it, it, it was a win out of nowhere
0: I have no problem with any any finishes like that That for me this is this is part of it you know in fact again this is a big part of, of Bret Hart's work is nearly so many of his matches end in something like this a roll up a victory roll a victory roll that's been Stepped into like Owen Hart does at WrestleMania 10. You know, some reversal, some counter, whatever. No problem with that at all because that's, all part of it, as far as I'm concerned. It's just a way of winning a match, and it's something that we don't do. Again, wrestling just doesn't do very often these days, because it also protects both people, right? If yeah. you lose that way, you are protected. It. It's not like you were beaten, beaten. You were out-thought, and in the next, if you were to face each other again, you might be able to avoid it, so it wouldn't be mm-hmm. such a problem. So I, I think it, it, it makes sense to finish matches like this. So next we get Gene Oakland backstage with Vanna White again. Um, Oakland asked White if, he's, if she's hiding from you. She again reiterates she doesn't know who he is. Uh, they then discuss the latest developments in the tournament
2: nothing (laughs) no i've not even written anything down for
0: that that's fine we've still got five matches next up is the intercontinental title match it sees brutus the barber beefcake against the honky tonk man the honky tonk man is accompanied by jimmy hart and peggy sue played by sherry Martel. the match ends after six and a half minutes so beefcake applies a sleeper hold jimmy hart gets on the apron and nails the referee with a megaphone beefcake thinks he's won until he sees the ref down beefcake then goes to get the shears to cut Honky's hair but Jimmy Hart gets them first and tries to escape with them but gets caught Beefcake then cuts Jimmy Hart's hair in the ring Peggy Sue tries to wake up Honky and two other refs try to revive the original ref and ultimately the result of all this is a DQ win for Beefcake which means he doesn't win the Intercontinental title a really rather silly ending to a not particularly impressive match
1: this was shit my only thought on it is someone in the crowd had a sign that said Coward of the County written in tiny felt-tip pen now if you're going to bring a re- sign to the rest of the show first of all don't do it it. just don't do it leave it at home if you are going to but don't don't use a thin belt <laughs> pen but the key message is don't bring a sign to a wrestling
2: <laughs> show the note I've got about her was her expression. She was just the same expression. She looked like a psycho. <laughs> An absolute psycho. Right, controversial. This is my match of the night. Wow. This is my match of the night. Okay, so let me explain myself. So I know that you're very upset by that, Stephen. Now, I, I think that you were having the technical issues when we were talking about the Hogan andre match. So okay. that was a contender for me until the end. And for me, the ends are most, the most important part of the match. So if the end's shit, it ruins the match. Me, But this, I wasn't looking forward to this at all. When it was starting, I wasn't looking forward to it. I could not be arsed watching a Honky Tonk Man versus Beefcake match. However, I, I liked it throughout. I actually loved the ending because Beefcake has got Honky Tonk in a sleeper and Jimmy Hart is desperate and hits the referee with his megaphone, as any manager would do. Protecting their champion I love Beefcake's celebration um, He jumps around like he's a three year old kid And then again I like the end with the uh, the scissors And the cutting the J- Jimmy's hair While Peggy Sue's trying to revive Honky Tonk gets the water pours it over him I was thoroughly entertained throughout And that's why it's I, I, That's why I, I have to give it my match of the night And it's the same with the main event The main event will come on to the main event But it's the same thing for me The ending which we will come on to That is why I've given it my, my, my match of the night And I'm very sorry
1: it's not as bad as some of the things that matt said on the podcast so i wouldn't i yeah, wouldn't worry about oh, yeah, it too much oh, yeah.
2: I, know. I thought this match was shit I thought it was
0: one of the worst things on the show I genuinely <laughs> did I, there, I was going to call out like two or three matches one of them being the one man gang savage match which we're still to get to another one being the one man gang Bam Bam Bigelow match which we've already had and this these are the <laughs> worst three matches well. on the show as far as I'm concerned Beefcake is a, just a waster I don't really need to see him in a match ever to be honest Um, Honky's fun Honky's quite fun I quite like well, I was especially enjoying the bit before the match where he's, tra- he's dancing with Peggy Sue it's amazing how shit he is at dancing given what his gimmick is, but I think that just adds to it I just think it makes it much, even better than it already was, but yeah, for me this is just a waste of time, don't need to see it ever
2: Well, well, I'm sticking by it, I was entertained <laughs> from start to finish, I like the end I like the stuff at the after it so yeah, it, it entertained me and I, I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than I thought it was going to, so I'm sticking by it it's my match of the night.
0: No, that's fine, that's perfectly fine, I, I think I've missed my match of the night, although I couldn't really tell you what I want to see win it if I'm honest, like I could probably go for valentine versus steamboat i could probably go for even pro- probably duggan versus DiBiase, or valentine versus savage those are one of those is my i'm night. really
1: shocked by all that but We'll, we'll get there we'll get there
0: well we'll get there as she said backstage bob yuker once again this time with andre the giant this one's a bit of a classic um uh, this yeah. one with uh Uker and andre the giant andre giant says that dbos paid him to keep hogan out of the tournament and says hogan is now the ex-champion and laughs he then says hulkamania is all over and then chokes Euchre a bit and that choke is what is pretty iconic about this little bit you can you see that kind of clip a number of times in future wrestlemania
1: video packages I and mean, this must be the best promo of Andre's career, I would have thought. Certainly I've ever seen. He was completely coherent. He yeah. was funny. He talks about, uh, Bob, he's not going to get Vanna, he's getting him instead. I thought this is, this is great, absolutely great, I thought, from Andre
2: here. Yeah, same as I loved it.
0: So the next match is the Islanders and Bobby Heenan against the British Bulldogs and Coco mm. Beware. It's a six-man tag match, seven and a half minutes long. The match ends when Tama uh, and Haku drop Bobby Heenan on top of Coco Beware and gets the pin that way. Afterwards, David Boysmith chases Heenan with Matilda in tow, and then tries to force Matilda onto Heenan, which is the the bit we were all referencing earlier on. During this match, Heenan wears a ridiculous-looking outfit, which is to protect him from the attack of a dog, which was relatively fun before the end
1: the dragging of Matilda off the apron was terrible as well because she's a big dog I don't know much about dogs but she's a big dog and I think that's quite a big she wouldn't be able to jump up on the apron I wouldn't have thought so if she's, her to fall I thought it would have been bad
0: she's an overweight dog yeah she's, she's a small dog though so technically she's a small dog so she's quite mm. a big jump for her and she's got small legs so it just, just it would be yeah it wouldn't be good
1: yeah awful just something I want to promote actually promote, promote I didn't write it so I'm not promoting it but something I enjoyed recently was the new Bulldogs book by Stephen Now I may or may not have Mr. Bell on my podcast at some point in the near future. Considering he's, I did agree this with him before he appeared on Chris Jericho's podcast. So I've gone some way down the the pecking order there. So I hope at some point when the audio version is out, we'll have him on because we've exchanged some nice messages. The book is excellent. I put it top tier of all wrestling books. His writing is phenomenal. The way he takes you into kind of the moments and stuff. So I would definitely go out of your way to read that. And it certainly made me more interested in this, albeit this is obviously dynamite. uh, What fourteen or fifteen? 15 months after his bad injury the only other point i had on this is coco beware had wwf sewn into the back of his tights now that felt like a bit of a try hard move for me however if he was so out of it on 1980s tony khan energy drinks it was a nice reminder of what company he was working for on a nightly basis so at least it was that finally actually bobby heenan is a heat machine everywhere he goes and he didn't get anything in this the crowd was not into it which is just goes to show what how shit they were really um yeah and the matilda stuff was was the pits but there we go
2: Bobby Enan's just fantastic. I love it when he runs out and clears the ring when the dog comes in. It was, I mean, a bit more fast-paced from all the things that we've seen, but again, average. I'm sure Tamer, it, it sounds like he shouts Adam Cole, baby, in the middle of <laughs> the mat, And, I, was, and I, could, I couldn't be me rewinding to double-check what he said. He does exactly the same thing and shouts something with the same syllables as Adam Cole, baby, but anyway. And then, oh, the dog part at the end. Oh, God. I mean, I've heard you talk about the the, the the treatment of animals on the shore and it's mainly been about um Jake's snake. Mm-hmm. Now I have a massive phobia of snakes. Massive and freaking out a little bit even just talking about it you now. <laughs> so i've never really understood it i've kind of thought well fuck the snakes whatever um and then when obviously brought the dog down and it didn't really bother me that much until when the way that they were manhandling that dog that it was really upsetting really it was ho- horrible
0: any point at which they're used even if they don't seem to be used for anything yeah. physical the point is, is a dog in particular it's gonna i mean and i'm sure all these animals actually so i don't know why i said in particular but a do- I, I have a dog I know about that in fact he's just behind me right now lounged out they'd be scared of being in a crowd that big with people taking photos and like reaching out to their owners or whatever it just would scare them Mm. and so just them being there is bad but then to use them in any way especially when it's as I said in this case like baller yanks him off the off the apron they chase after bobby heenan and he like forces him onto bobby heenan and it's just not it's just horrible it's just not nice so yeah that was that wasn't for me at all when i
2: completely am with you there alex i oh, was getting a bit worked up then and i didn't think i would do, but <laughs> oh, disgusted this is all right
0: as a match but again it just again it's just just throw away there's just so much as throwaway. Mm. not necessarily bad but just completely forgettable it would be better if some of this was bad so that i could unleash a kind of tirade of Nonsense against it, but there's just nothing. There's just nothing to to talk about with a lot of these matches. After this, the bit where Howard Finkel announces the presence of Jesse Ventura is uh, it takes place. He stands on top of the big platform, and poses for the crowd, and in the main is mostly cheered, as you said earlier on. Then we've got Howard Finkel announcing Ted DiBiase's bye to the final, which precedes the final semi-final match, which is Randy Savage against One Man Gang, a match that goes four minutes and is possibly the most nonsense thing on the show. If I'm perfectly honest, because one-man gang gets Slick's cane tries to hit Savage with it and then the referee turns around sees that this is happening and DQ's one-man gang for the semi-final of a tournament which is for, for the world championship you thought one-man gang would be a little bit more careful to be perfectly honest Stephen your thoughts
1: Elizabeth black dress Randy in black purple and green this was such a good outfit and so close to the main event outfit you know even 18 hours into the show um, Savage's entrance still gave me a bit of a nostalgic cheer, uh, cheer up my spine that's not the right word is <laughs> <laughs> whatever you get up your spine tingle tingle I thought the DQ got a decent response to the crowd i.e. about a hundred of them let out a positive breath and I enjoyed Gang and Slick's little cuddle afterwards when Slick was consoling him and as you say Ben terrible decision I, I don't know why Sa- they didn't go with Randy in one man Gang I felt like he should have beaten him here convincingly I think you know you don't have to protect everybody but then Vince broke these finishes while he was out of his mind didn't he by the same seemingly um, but you just need savage top right elbow done especially given what was happening in the main event as well um i think he, he needed one more big victory here
0: uh, the only thing i will forgive them for again and it goes back to that thing about everybody's being protected is that because everybody's being ret- protected to beat three other or four other sorry recognized superstars in one night is actually a really big deal at this point yeah. i think now it would if they won these matches in the same way but like, well that's not very impressive but actually at the time i think this probably still would have been considered quite impressive because it i just didn't really
1: happen. Key, that is the key thing for the whole show the, that's that's the key thing that the, the fact they can work that story um and we'll yeah we'll, i'm sure we'll get there when we get to the main event but yeah i think that's the key bit coming that's the whole thing the whole thing is that yeah coming out of this show yeah absolutely
2: a couple of things i loved the quote he's been sitting back relaxing while savage had a tough time with a hammer uh, that was from uh jesse Venture. a fantastic line and then pretty much agree with everything the DQ was bollocks but <laughs> i loved i mean savage selling is it, obviously it's always been fantastic, but it's weird because he's selling the fact that he's knackered and he's knackered because of, he's already had two matches, and then that obviously goes on into the final as well. And it, it's really weird, it's really bizarre. Er, he, he does it. It's fantastic. You know, you can sell an injury, but this and he, he's selling the fact that he's knackered because he's been fighting. He's already fought twice. He's fighting now, and he's got another one to fight. Brilliant, brilliant selling. But the match was shit.
0: Then Gino Clinton and, Van- and Vanna White are backstage briefly with the tournament and bracket wall. White says that she has to go. And then Yuka finally arrives and is told that he's just missed Vanna White. He is upset, but then he says, oh, I've had loads of letters from some guy called Vance White. Just instantly just dropped everything. Like, the whole night, it was kind of quite fun, quite interesting. And then I was like, well, this, this is this the punchline that doesn't make any sense whatsoever and doesn't match up to anything you've said previously. It was just, It was just stupid
1: i just i've written just go away gene oakland and go away vanna white Uh, that was my note for this backstage segment i've had enough of them go away
0: i didn't mind them i just didn't i just hated this whole bob yuka vanna white thing concluding in this like pathetic manner
2: Mm. i've just got fucking pervs all over the show
0: (laughs) (laughs) well there you go can't say it more uh, succinctly than that there is still one match to go before the main event. It's the second longest of the night. It's 12 and a half minutes long. It's for the WWF Tag Team Titles. Strike Force defending against Demolition. The end of this one comes when Sant S- uh, S- uh, when Sant I can't say his name. When <laughs> Santana distracts the ref by trying to stop Axe getting in the ring. The ref is distracted and then Santana goes after Mr. Fuji and so the ref ref continues to be distracted at which point Axe hits Martel with Mr. Fuji's cane and Smash pins Martel to win the match and the title. Alex, what did you think of the tag team match?
2: It was okay. It didn't need to be so long. It was uh, just over 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes, sorry. Exactly the same as everything else, really. uh, Quite a few unsavoury quotes about Mexico from Jesse Ventura that was quite uh, difficult to listen to. But again, uh, Tito Santana pushes the referee, which has happened earlier on in the night. (laughs) So what? What is? Oh, it's so annoying, so annoying. But yeah, anyway, so I went off then. I feel I feel uh, bad
0: for Alex. He's got his head in hands.
2: Like he, I mean, <laughs> I know, he's gone
0: through something with the show. It's, it's been traumatic. I think it's I just know, a childhood, a childhood
2: memory that we've completely smashed to pieces. Well, the thing is, what, my favourite event ever is Survivor Series 1990 because that's the first one that I watched, and I don't want to watch that again. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Watch that movie, I guess. If you let do that's that, that's my second, top... Alex. That's my
1: second. I watched. Some, I got the Sky just just before summer '90, um, so we're about the same timeline, basically. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, it was
2: uh, it was the same as everything else, really. You know. It was OK. It just didn't need to be so long. 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes, a long match, really, for that. I suppose Savage needs a break, I suppose, but...
0: I'm not going to give any real opinions on this because I agree totally. It's about the same as everything else. It's, it's good. It, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's just... There's just too much on the show. I think this match would have been all right in an eight-match card, but at this point, fifty match 15 of a 16-match card where the main event is for the title, and we've been building to it all night with this whole tournament, we don't need a 12 and a half-minute detour to get there
1: and Tito Santana was an absolute bell-end in this match and I thought he was going to get turned on and it didn't happen because I got my WrestleMania's mixed up so watch out for that in two weeks (laughs) so then we get the
0: beginning of all the main event shenanigans. Howard Finkel introduces the presenter of the title belt Robin Leach again with the guest ring announcer Bob Uecker some guy gets in the aisle and gives him a big hug before security get rid of him Uecker then introduces the guest timekeeper the hostess of the Wheel of Fortune Vanna White so he did know who Vanna White was all along they then pipe over the Wheel of Fortune music from the UK version as I said
1: earlier on. I've got so, I've got so much stuff on the, these next two segments but basically I'll, I'll try and pick out some highlights I know we're short on time. So first of all the beautiful winged eagle title belt which I could quite happily do to what Brad Maddox did to the old NXT women's title <laughs> but I wouldn't need anyone else in the room with me just give me that belt give me about 15 minutes no problem have a lovely old time. Wow. You,
0: that's not ambitious enough
1: mate. <laughs> I want to spread it out you know make sure that the climax is a good one um, basically Jesse was all over the place with Vanna here so he said that she, he was meeting her at midnight but in the next breath he questioned whether she could tell the time and then he called Yuka a lecherous old man just as Vanna got a kiss from Donald Trump and Jesse mentioned Michael Jackson this is all in the space of like 10 very very awkward seconds and then Yuka did the kind of shaky Hulk Hogan sell for Vanna kissing on the cheek one final comment on Yuka immense hair fantastic hair hairline volume everything yeah fair
2: Play. You've said it all there With regards to the, the, the Start of the match With his shenanigans um, Big pot for Vanna White Bob Uke has got some Really shit music Um <laughs> That was uh, then, Take Me um, Out to the Ball Game. Uh, yeah. uh, That's this just a baseball song. All oh, right, okay, right. I thought, yeah, he's terrible, but I, I liked when he was doing the ring announcer. He said, "Accompanied by himself." Oh no, he's got the big boy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was good. Because when he said "accompanied by himself," I thought he's messed up there, and then said that. So yeah, that was that was okay, but yeah, nothing really to add other than uh, with regards to the start of the match, anyway.
0: So the main event time. I think this is where Stephen's going to say his match of the night. Nine and a half minutes long. Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase for the title. Ted DiBiase has Andre the Giant with him. Halfway through the match, after Andre has tried to interject himself in the match a couple of times, Randy Savage sends Elizabeth backstage and she returns with Hulk Hogan for the big pop of the night, really. The match then ends when as DiBiase applies a sleeper hold, uh, the ref is distracted by Andre and Hogan gets in the ring, hits DiBiase in the back with a chair. Savage then hits the flying elbow and gets the pin. After the match, Hogan and Savage celebrate together with Elizabeth. Savage puts Liz on his shoulder in an iconic moment as well. Best of you, Alex, because I know steven has got a load to talk about.
2: Really, really good. This was another contender for my match of the night, but again, I hated the ending. I hated the ending. I'll come on to that bit in a minute. I really liked present uh, presence at ringside, actually. You could tell that he was, and again, Savage is selling uh, by the distraction it was fantastic. I love that he got Elizabeth to go and get Hogan, and it wasn't just Hogan come down, I mean, it, it just showed smarts and stuff. Most life I've seen in a crowd all night, again, we're talking about Savage selling the 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 fact that he's just been Had such a grueling night And that's what he's selling Absolutely fantastic But the end Again I just I hated the end Because He's worked hard all night And he's won the belt By cheating and it's obviously not him it's hogan but it for me ruined that moment of savage winning and i knew that hogan got involved and i couldn't remember what why it was but it really pissed me off it it completely ruined it for me completely ruined it because like i've said he's worked hard all night and he's showing that he's been, that he's knackered he's worked hard all night all night he's been going beating these people and then he's won he's won the belt by cheating at the end. Now I get that obviously the story goes on to so the next WrestleMania, but that's why I couldn't have it as my match of the night because I was that pissed off with the end that uh, it couldn't it it couldn't be. So that's why I went for honky-tonk versus Beefcake instead. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's,
0: there's one thing being pissed off at this match because of the end and then there's another one giving that the match of the night in fairness.
2: Yeah, I'm sticking by,
0: by it. In terms of the ending though, I mean, again, it you kind of does tally a little bit. So I've talked about this before and I've t- talked about it in regards to Roman Reigns today because I feel like WWF shouldn't, WWE shouldn't worry about anybody else. They should just worry about Roman Reigns keeping me over as a star. There's a thing that crept in in the 90s and the 2000s where people kept, they kept wanting everybody to be elevated to the top. And actually this, I think this, this period, in the late 80s shows where you don't need that you just need your top guy to be at the top and everyone else then gets built up enough to face him and that's all that matters and that's what's happened here it still has to be about Hogan because Hogan's the top star so that's why they did it and I don't I don't mind it from that perspective even though I get what you're saying I guess Gorilla Monsoon kind of does a thing at the end where he kind of says well Andre already interfered on DiBiase's behalf so it's fair so it's all fair and that in, in itself probably was enough to just get Get us through, but I, I can see why it, it, it disappointed you. Uh, yeah,
2: right. I think he, he could have come in with the chair and chased Andrey off, and that's another thing I've got I've got Hogan Fuck off And let Savage celebrate But that's obviously Not going to happen But fantasy booking Get the chair Come down Chase Andre off And let it be One on one Savage beat Dibiase Best man wins That's what should have happened And if that had happened It would have been My match of the night By a country mile But it didn't It really it, It really pissed me off
0: In a minute I'm going to give Stephen The chance to say What he wants to say What I will say Is that And I'll leave it at this If that had happened What you just said That would have taken away From me What the best thing About this show is.
1: Stephen, off you go. So here we go. So Randy in white and blue Liz in all white. And I hadn't realised until I was watching this that this was the colours that Randy had for his WrestleMania 7 match. Perhaps these are favourite colours of his and perhaps that's the most boring thing I've ever said in the podcast. I didn't quite say it out loud but my brain definitely went come on Randy for a match I knew it was 34 years ago and I know the result. Unfortunately Jesse Ventura brought things down by asking Gorilla who he'd rather. Now you can fill in the blank there. Liz Liz or Vanna and Gorilla picked Liz Jesse said he'd pick Vanna because Liz he'd have to fight Randy for Gorilla added he tried to do this in a politically correct way as possible in 1988 oh I, I thought you just meant as a beautiful person yeah yeah we knew what he meant no pop for the start of this WWF world title match and thanks to the Atlantic City Morgue uh, they were mildly reincarnated for the spots with Andre interfering they chanted for Hogan though something I, I touched on earlier on when Hogan came out he did not get a big reaction from this crowd coming out to save save Randy Savage So they wanted him they got him they didn't react bizarre though that all said by the end by the end they were into this and I th- I think just about this was worth the whole three hours and 30 minutes as I said Savage I got into I started watching wrestling late 1990 started getting all the tapes I think certainly by WrestleMania 7 I'd seen all the mega power stuff so I'd seen that whole story so WrestleMania 7 that, that that what happens there is still my favorite my, that's my I think that's the best thing WF have ever done and that's my favorite moment in wrestling when they reunited so I didn't live this. At the time, but I felt like I almost did. So for Savage here, I mean this this elbow drop three quarters away from the across the room, basically from the heavens. The one, two, three. The crowd erupted. Elizabeth, her reaction, blimey. I mean, I'm sure this was completely legitimate. She's crying her eyes out. I shed a little bit of a tear. This was absolutely incredible at the end. And, and this was what it was. This was Savage, the the person who'd been through everybody that he got the four wins. And, and what what Ben, I think you were alluding to is they achieved what they wanted to achieve. They got the title from Hogan via Andre and DiBiase onto Savage. Savage did a really commendable job at the box office while Hogan was away, and then they set in wheels in motion. And I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was in, and I know how WF used to book. They knew where they were going with this, and that's why all the handshakes. And you see the little new if you watch SummerSlam '88, the main event of that, all the nuances in that are incredible. Was Savage looking at Hogan, and this was the start of it. One of their best ever stories, their biggest pay-per-view up to that point, and for a long time afterwards was the eight. 89 WrestleMania while the show was the pits this 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 was this was worth this was worth getting there for I thought in the end
0: yeah that's what I'm alluding to is the fact that you're right I think they absolutely planned it and it goes back to what I said earlier on when Steven you were in here actually when we were talking about the build up to Hogan Andre mm. which is ultimately they make you believe that you're going on a journey with Hogan which started in 1984 when he won the title from Iron Sheik you see him celebrating with Andre the giant after that match that's in the build up to WrestleMania 3 with uh, Hogan and Andre Then they have Hogan and Andre. They have the controversial finish or the controversial bit where Andre should have pinned him. Then they have the rematch they have what happens on Saturday night's main event, they have Diviossi by the title, they have the title be vacated, then they set up this tournament to get the belt from Hogan to Savage without them fighting each other, so that they can build Savage to that match with Hogan. It goes back to the fact that at the beginning of the show, they don't have anything to main event this show, because they've got nobody left. Hogan can't face anyone bigger or more dominant than Andre the Giant. There's nowhere for them to go. So what they do, rather than just come up with a phony heel monster that could, you know, maybe they pushed in like two months, or even a phony storyline where they make him friends with someone and break them up in two months which is probably what they would do now because I've seen it happen at WrestleMania nearly every year in the last five ten years they instead come up with this whole tournament thing so that by the end of it you can end with Hogan and D- and Savage and document this really special moment between them as friends so that you can then come back to it the following year and change the thing that you're selling Hogan on it's no longer about him coming overcoming a bigger and bigger threat in Bundy and Andre or probably big John Studd might have been another option they'd have thrown out at some point and one man gang and eventually boss man and whatever else it's instead it's now a personal a very personal battle with someone that legitimately was his best friend and you've been able to sell that because they've been together for over a year by the time they actually do break up and not only have they been together for a whole year but they've been together and then gone through feuds together against other teams on Andre and, and DiBiase, and then the Twin Towers later on. Later on in the year, so it, I actually think Steven is not one of the best. It's the best storyline they've ever made. Yeah. And I don't get me wrong, they they've done storylines that have been slightly more complex and perhaps slightly more nuanced and slightly more detailed after this. But I don't think there have been many wrestling storylines before this where they legitimately wielded such a episodic story from one re- from one major show to the next. And so I think you're right that this is the whole point of the show is to get Savage to this point where he. They built him up for the next big match And that will be against Hogan the following year Which Hogan will come out of on top Because he's still a top star, he's still the main guy And they need him to be on the chase rather than defend him Because there's just nobody left that's as dominant or as impressive as Andre is Having said all that, I also think that's one of the reasons Which makes it one of the worst WrestleManias ever Because it's not a show in, in, on, in and of itself It's a show built to build another show Yeah, And that's the same with WrestleMania 27, actually It's a terrible show And it's there solely to build towards WrestleMania 28 and the that's a really good, a
1: rock good and parallel
0: it. yeah and and so that's why i think it's seen and is one of the worst wrestlemanias ever because it doesn't hold up as a show in itself you wouldn't buy this show for what's on it in itself it's funny last episode i said that wrestlemania 3 was the first show where they'd given you a match a main event which was legitimately a wrestlemania main event because it was the first time in this particular instance that they'd faced each other hogan and andre it was it wasn't like they'd gone on the house show circuit for months before and then given you a cage match rematch or it wasn't like they were looking to do that on the house show loads afterwards it was legitimately this is the big showpiece attraction match between hogan and andre this reverts back to what wrestlemania one and wrestlemania two was where they've not really given you anything of wrestlemania quality or worthiness to to get your pay-per-view by but in this instance it's because they want to build wrestlemania five and also i wonder whether that's why they booked trump tower for both of them Mm -hmm. believing it was kind of a sequel to wrestlemania four and that the denizens of the trump palace on this particular night would come back to see that sequel it's a pretty really yeah, good point. later, yeah. so yeah. all of that stuff for me is is the whole point of the show, and I th- I think therefore I really admire it, but I think it's a just an awful show. <laughs> I
2: get I get what you're saying with regards to the Hogan Savage thing. For me, it's just yeah, it's a fa- It's an amazing story, amazing story. And, you know, the plot holes along the way leading to WrestleMania, fantastic. But for me, they, they could have still told that story without Hogan being it, celebrating at the end. For me personally, I think Hogan gets rid of Andre, goes himself, and then it's Savage's night. And it's not it's not so much it, for me it's all it's Hogan completely politicking because he he's the one that runs out quickly to get the belt to gives it he's the one that gives the belt to Savage and then he's the one raises that he's the one pointing it and he and, and as well he's bigger than Savage so he's taller he's bigger he is the focus pointing that ring. Not Savage the t- champion, and that's what it should have been. It should have been Savage's night. He's the champion. That his celebration. In my, uh, in I tell my, you what.
0: Even if Hogan is politic, and I don't think he is, but even if he is at this stage, what you've just described is Savage's justification for hating him. Yeah,
1: hate. that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. So it works perfectly because the, the whole point is what you've just said is that's why Savage yeah. hates him
1: because he's stolen his stop- spotlight. If we were ten, I don't think we'd see that. If we were fifteen upwards, we'd be like, why is why is Hogan in? like it's bollocks and we might have all been we'd have bought the paper view either way but we might have been well actually randy's right but and i think that there is an element of that as well you know as you said ben the best heel reactions are when you believe you're right and i think the savage storyline he believed he was right and all the stuff you know the hug of elizabeth at summerslam and you see savage is fuming he's like okay now this is okay like it's okay and he simmers down it's just it is um, and for randy his this story really goes all the way through to you know wrestlemania 7 and a bit beyond i know it, all gets a you know it all goes a bit bad after that unfortunately in his personal life but this you know the savage storyline in, in in wwf is is it's just phenomenal in terms of that you know the the the, the heel stuff and he went babyface and the mega powers and the title run and, and all that so yeah I ju- and, and savage obviously is my um mvp of, of the night and this is my match of the night as well without doubt what's your score out of 10 So I think this has got to be... This is better than WrestleMania 2. And I I think that all four marks, really, of what... what they get to. I'm going to give it a four out of ten. Um, and I think it's all its all because of because of the end. I think it's, it's all because of the last ten minutes and what this sets up, I think.
0: Alex, what? Do you, what give us your overview of the show, your score out of ten. And if you haven't given us your MVP, your MVP.
2: My MVP is Savage. There's no doubt about it. it is, it's his night. His performances throughout throughout uh, phenomenal. You know, shock horror. Savage, savage is amazing. <laughs> uh, my rating are oh, three or oh, two. I think I'm going <laughs> to go three. I think I'm going to go 3 Only because um, Despite the ending The Hogan-Andre match is good The Savage-DBRC match is good The Honky Tonk-Beefcake is a masterclass (laughs) Um, And then the Savage-Valentine match is okay Yeah, I'll go 3 I'll be a bit generous But I, I was disappointed with it. I was disappointed with it because, like I've said, I've not seen this since you know for about 15 years. And when people have slagged it off, I've always kind of thought, well, oh, no, it's good. I remember it being really good. So it's just boring. All the matches seem seem the same. 16 matches is fucking way too much. It's way too. It's way too much. I'm never going to watch it again. Um, <laughs> and and it, it, it's for me, it, the endings are shocking. The constant Bad referee calls And I can You know If it happens once Fine But it happens so much On this show And it was so many times And so that ruined it for me So yeah I'm not going to watch it again All the matches were the same Referees Rubbish 3 out of 10 Savage MVP Beefcake Honky tonk I'm going to watch it again <coughs> um,
0: I'm, I'm giving it a 4 out of 10 I'm at the same place as Stephen And to be honest I'm, I'm realising now I'm starting to rate these shows On a scale Based on what I've rated Other shows So I gave WrestleMania 2 or 3 So I was like, well, it's not as bad as WrestleMania 2. There's nothing that stands out to me, though. That's the problem. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's just not very good, and it's really long. It's really, really long, and there's 16 matches, and it just goes on, and it just goes on, and just goes on, just like this podcast, ultimately. So I'll try and wrap this up as quick as I can. Basically, yeah, for me, 4 out of 10. I can't tell you where that sits in terms of our first four WrestleMania's, because I'm still waiting on Matt to give me a rating for WrestleMania 3. So, yeah, I can't rate against that, but what I I can say is that WrestleMania 1, the average rating for that has come out ahead of WrestleMania 4 which is not really mm-hmm. surprising to me but at the same time I'm sure it will raise some eyebrows and that's the one that Matt gave a zero as well he did yeah but then Old Man gave us seven so mm-hmm. it did balance
2: out a what, bit what was your match of the night in MVP after, after so it? my match
0: of the night I can't decide I think I might just go with the first one DBOC Duggan I don't know why I just I just thought it was because everything else was the same everything else was yeah. just mm-hmm. as good as that and I just don't didn't see any variation in quality to be honest On uh, and certainly nothing better than it there was probably four, three or four matches as good it, it didn't really, nothing stood out after that. And my MVP, I thought, it's got to be Randy Savage. It's got to be Randy Savage. There's no other choice of WrestleMania for than Randy Savage. It has to be. Although there's a there's a second shout I want to give to Elizabeth, which is the fact that she has managed to wear four different outfits over the night. And at one point, Gorilla Monsoon points out that during the third match of, of Savage's appearances and says that that makes her a really good woman. I'm not really <laughs> sure why but that was what he said, so I'm going with it too. And on that spot show, we're going to leave it there and end the show. Stephen, thank you for your contributions today.
1: Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you very much
0: and Alex thanks for joining us there short notice and filling in for the letdown that is Matt Roberts
2: oh it's no problem thank you so much for having me on I've loved it I've absolutely loved it hopefully I'll get invited back uh, we'll <laughs> see what the standard is when it comes out I'm going to be cringing listening to myself in a couple of weeks time uh, but yeah thank you very much and keep up the good work honestly I love the podcast it's amazing
1: Alex in the house is what you should have said that's, that's Matt's Matt's oh, uh,
2: yeah I have done that yeah.
1: I'll <laughs> tell you what I want
2: to do though I'll tell you what I want to do uh, just, a couple, just a few Things. One, Rockstar Kirky on Twitter, so you can go on there and follow me. Um, also, if you're on Facebook, this is a bit of a cheap plug, but I am actually a lead singer in a rock and indies covers band wow. in the Northwest called Idol Promise. Idol as in Born Idol and Promise as in Promise. So if you'd like to go on Facebook and, and like the band for us, please. The more likes we get, the more gigs we get. So um, if you could do that. And one last thing, obviously, the great man himself isn't with you anymore in terms of the pod, <laughs> so I, I'd intri- to him i'd just like to say rate review and remember shit and remember (laughs)
0: lovely lovely stuff well we're all off to go and buy a boatload of uh, idle promise cds until next time take care